Or the Spotted Orchid. <laughs> and Kelly Wan with our Independence Day Resurgence taglines, plural. I expect at least three, uh, uh, Kelly Wan. What do you got? There's at least – there's five. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Bigger than the previous Independence Day. Just like the ship. Well, spoiler. I mean you've now oh, ruined oh. an important Please? plot point for people who maybe haven't seen it. We're going to have to bleep that. <laughs> I didn't mean that one. Wait. Oh, no. I mean – Tagline. <clears throat> Warning, word resurgence, not an actual film. I kind of disagree. Uh, I don't know. OK, well, now. Kelly, let's move on from that one, because that one uh, I I might take issue with that. But go on. What else? You'll have to. All right. I'm, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> First time I've been intrigued. Most suspenseful school bus climax since Dark Knight Rises. Uh, OK. Jeff Goldblum running from CG, now with less. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting for two more before <laughs> I pass judgment. Slower. Must drive slower. Guest starring Bill Pullman as Randy Quaid. <laughs> <laughs> that one I like, Kelly Lon, because it's what that was originally number one. Yeah, it's yeah. what everyone's thinking when they see the movie. It's like, oh, okay, that's what he's doing. All right, and uh, you said you had five. You got one more then? Available on video by the 4th of July. Well, because it came out in mid-June. That's the sort of the joke. Right? I see. Right. Well, they got to give it time to warm up, you see. There's too much math involved. There it's is a lot kind of, of – it's very topical. It's very time-sensitive, that joke. And they're and very it's already aware. too late for it now because it's 4th of July and we're doing this. Yeah, and they're very aware in the movie, you know, 4th of July. Not just Independence Day, 4th of July is referenced. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you know what's really there. cool in movies is when it's the 4th of July and then there's a line about fireworks, just like in Iron Man 3. I don't recall any lines about fireworks in Jaws, and that was 4th of July. In Jaws 2, he does go, now for some fireworks, and then he electric. That's not, Jaws 2 does not take place during 4th of July. Yeah, I know. Wait. Nope, yeah. it's, a, it's a, just a regatta. It's a sailboat race. It's some random sailboat race. It could be any time. But, but the you know what, though? It's, the point in Jaws it, is that Jaws, it's the 4th of July weekend, uh, and the local commerce needs is, relies on tourism. And he does, but there's a firework at the end, too, even. So he could have said, now for some fireworks. But instead, he went, let's smile, you son of a bitch. He could have said, uh, get ready for a close encounter, bitch. That's what he could have said at the end of Jaws. If he'd known what was coming. Right, if he'd known what Steven Spielberg's future career would be. Dingus, why don't you weigh in on this? What if in the end of Jaws, he'd gone off with the sharks, like in Close Encounters, and left his family? I know it's a twist ending. I was waiting to hear from... Pingus on this. I was oh, going to say that about the shark, he could have said, man, I got to get me one of these. <laughs> wow, look at Dingus going like old school, br- pulling things back from 20 years ago. That's right. We're talking about Jaws and Ding- Dingus goes back to something old. What's the matter with him? I'm crazy. Dingus getting too old for this shit. <laughs> Speaking of uh, getting terrible. too old for the No, that's a terrible segue because uh, none of us, you're never too old to take a quiz, are you, Kelly Wan? No, wait. Dingus. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's yeah, an old Kelly thing. Wan- 
Yeah, we're never too old to take quizzes, so uh, it's not just something that students take. So, Kelly Wan, why don't you give me and Dingus a quiz and, and grade both of us? take quizzes. They love them. See who gets the higher grade. A boy tries to stop an invasion of his town by aliens who take over... Oh, the, the thing uh, where, eats the, where Louise Fletcher eats a rat. No? Okay. That's V, isn't it? No, they eat rats. It's Louise Fletcher eats a rat. It's a, it's a Toby Hooper thing. Invaders from Mars, right? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because Louise Fletcher eats a rat in that, doesn't she? <sighs> right, wait, it's only one sentence, so pretend I didn't say yeah. Okay. <laughs> I medicine manned you, which is what I did to Dingus when he when he did the Embrace of the Serpent quiz. Uh, okay, so go ahead. What is the whole thing? Damn. I didn't pick it very thoughtfully. A boy tries to stop an invasion of his town by aliens who take over the the minds of his parents, his least like school teacher and other townspeople. The faculty. With, See. With, See? <laughs> the, with this is the last sentence of the of the synopsis on IMDb. With the aid of the school nurse, the boy enlists the aid of the U.S. Marines. <laughs> <laughs> Iron Giant. Who played the uh, it's got to be some hottie. That's, that's got to be Louise Fletcher. Oh, she's the school teacher. Yeah, yeah it would be great. She's a Louise, rat. Louise Fletcher play the school nurse. She was really committed yeah, to that. School role. nurse ratchet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why is she drugging all these kids? <laughs> uh, I could Wait. be wrong about that, but I seem to recall that that was something that kind of traumatized me when I saw that movie. Actually, not traumatized me. I'm sure I was old enough to not be too freaked out by it. But that was the main thing I remember from that. I also remember not liking it. And, and start yeah. to think, hey, this Toby Hooper guy, he's nothing to write home about. It's a remake, too. Of a, like a, yeah, what's the original one like? I've, one. I've never seen Oh, it's a 50s thing. Does it have that whole thing where the little kid knows about the invasion and the adults don't believe him? Is that an aspect? Yeah, it's got to be. Uh. It's a young boy learn. Yeah. Uh, I had someone tell me in earnest that I should watch a movie called Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Yeah, starring people like Adam West. Mm-hmm. So I checked, I went to, and I was like, I'm not going to watch some old crazy 50s movie with Adam West and other people I've never heard of. So I went to Netflix to just look it up and read uh, the little synopsis on it and re- discovered that I'd already watched an hour of it at some point and had no recollection. At some point, yeah. a lot of times I'll just put something on and just let it run, and that's apparently what happened with Robinson Crusoe. I remember really liking it at five, but by age seven I went, wait, this is pretty slow. Right, so that's a pretty narrow window there. Yeah. By the time you're, you know, you there's guys... a lot of like he sees lights in the distance. He's like, ugh, he's gotta like walk to them. Who's the he? Is it is it at Some least guy. Adam West? That is the no. Oh. Adam West gets. I think he gets killed off, and there's like a scene where he's standing like a statue, all lights shine on him because he's like a ghost figure to the hero who's kind of losing his shit. Hmm. Thing is, you don't know that movie, do you? Oh no, no. I thought Haley Joel Osment was in it. I was cruising on Mars. Why, what is he saying, Kelly Wand? No, no. Let's just forget it, Stingus. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of it being Dingus, Dingus, why don't you tell the listeners – now you can spoil – no, no. After you tell this to the listeners, Dingus, we can spoil stuff. But without spoiling stuff, like there being a bigger ship than in the first movie. Now you're just confusing him. <laughs> Dingus, give the much. listeners a little bit of spoiler-free information about what we saw this week. All right, this week we saw Independence Day colon resurgence. A 2016 American disaster science fiction action sequel movie. That's actually a genre. It really is, actually. About the human-alien psychic connection. 
It was directed by Roland Emmerich mm. and written by him with Nicholas Wright, James A. Woods, Dean Devlin, and James Vanderbilt. It stars Brent Spiner, Judd Hirsch, Thela Ward, <laughs> Angela Baby, <sighs> William Fickner. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> is he in the first one? No. Oh, actually, I don't know. Dingus is watching. No, no, no. I don't remember him in the yeah. first one. I would think we would have remembered if it, if it had Yeah, I would have gone, oh, well, at least we're going to get Fickner. Right, right. But I don't remember thinking that before I saw this. So, Dingus, we're waiting on a certain name. Go on. Yeah. Uh, we did get Robert Loja back from the first one, though. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Who is Robert Loja in it? He's, uh, he's like a general. Yeah. And then in this Mr. one, he's, he's he's at the uh, he's at the celebration, like in a wheelchair. Oh, oh okay. right. Um, oh. But I didn't have he's, him in the list, but he is he's in both movies. Well, we're all waiting for Will Smith's name, so go on. We'll, right. we'll wait to get there. Go on. Uh, before I get to Will Smith, Micah Monroe, hmm. Jeff Goldblum. I'm hoping there's a there's a little Goldblum uh, the, a debut of a Kelly Wan Goldblum in the synopsis. Oh, you have no idea what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard to do a Goldblum and not slip into. Um, well, never mind. I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to incept Kelly Wan. Uh, it also stars Liam Hemsworth. <laughs> and a and a poster of Will Smith. Uh, Independence Day. <laughs> That's the other thing is there's a framed picture of Will Smith as well. I dare you not give that its due. Remember we had him in these. <laughs> also an ex-wife. Um, Independence Day Resurgence is rated PG-13 for sequences of sci-fi action and destruction, mm-hmm. and for some language. What? Yeah. Huh? There's what? a B word. I mean, I don't recall an F bomb, but I think there's a B word. What's a B word? Uh, Bastard. How about no? What is it? No, what is it? I wrote this one it's down. Bitch. Whenever you get ready for a close encounter, bitch. Whenever you're chasing a queen around, you have to say bitch. Yeah. And that right. that line I find is best if you imagine Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad saying it. <laughs> That's how I like to think of it. Right. It's on TV, so it's not. It shouldn't be a PG thing. Well, Aaron Paul. Uh, Breaking Bad is. Uh, Aaron Paul yeah, says it. Right, yeah, but it can't be uh, treason. TV Wait. still has ratings. Yeah, Kelly Wand. It didn't yeah. used to, though. Dingus, don't get uh, Kelly Wan started. He's going to well, hate Well, it does now, time. because every time my kid is watching Netflix, he's like, Dad, can I watch the show? What's it rated? Why? <laughs> See? Fuck. He's been indoctrinated. <laughs> I give ratings a D-. minus. Now, if you say another one of those, he's not going to be able to listen to this podcast. <laughs> what? Speaking of ratings, <laughs> Kelly Wan, how do you feel they did uh, the MPAA with their judgment on um, Independence Day Resurgence? They miss I would have added if they'd chosen to ask an elected official. Uh, scenes of <laughs> scenes of crumbling CG thirteen, <laughs> some blandness, and the movie. <laughs> okay, that's just me. I don't know. Uh, Independence Day Resurgence. Speaking of actually not resurging. Uh, Kind of tanked. It, it fell way, way behind uh, Finding Dory on its opening weekend. Uh, it made about it made forty one million dollars in the number two spot, uh, and has precipitously dropped since then. We're, we're talking about it a couple weeks after the release. Uh, let's look at the critical numbers. On Metacritic, the average rating from various reviews is thirty two. <laughs> 
On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive is 32. Oh, whoops, I got it backwards. Metacritic's 32. Rotten Tomatoes is 32. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> Wait, tell me that 68%. So basically that means 68% of the people <laughs> who reviewed it on Rotten Tomatoes are like, no, nah, I don't think so. Whereas for some reason, 32% of the people were like, yeah, go see it. They probably said things like, Summer Fair, Popcorn Movie, Thrill Ride. Those kind of things were probably in their reviews. Summer Fair Ride. That kind of, well, F-A-R-E. I don't know. I, wouldn't even, oh. I don't even think it lives up to being a fair F-A-I-R ride. It's an F-bomb. Kelly Wand, the moment we've all – and by all, I mean the, those of us, uh, the two of us on this podcast who had to see this movie. The moment we've all been waiting for, I would like to hear the Independence Day Resurgopsis. Resurgis. Resurgis. I know. What are you going to do? <laughs> it sounds bad in any language, doesn't it? That's how <laughs> It's a language, Opsis speak, by the way. Uh, I had Independopsis Dopsis Resopgopnopsis. Nice. No, that, that nails it. That's right That's right on the nose, I think. Very well done. Resopgopnopsis. No, no, no. The, the, the less clearly you can say it, the better, frankly. Resopgopnopsis. All right. Independent Dopsis Resopgopnopsis. Bill Pullman dreams he's back in the first movie and wakes up screaming. Since he's a legendary ex-president who repelled an alien invasion, he lives in a motel room with his cane. Meanwhile, in Washington, Celia Ward's president. She walks up to a podium shaped like the Washington Monument, stares out at 10,000 CG white people, and goes, Thanks to all our cities being destroyed by aliens, in 1996 we now live in a futuristic utopia. Gravity is a thing of the past. As the head of our only political party, I just want to say every day under my regime is independence. Thank you all for coming. A couple people near the back clap once. General Loge's all, great speech, Betty. Now how about some coffee? He slaps her ass. The crowd laughs politely and claps at the thought of coffee. Meanwhile, in the White House, a 20-year-old girl wearing an Air Force colonel uniform is all, well, well, Jaden Smith, aren't you supposed to be on the moon? <laughs> Jaden's all fuck that shit it's what you say baby you and me wait you a pilot or the vice president I'm fucking lost <laughs> um I think Marsden's my love interest fuck that guy I wish I knew what it would take to make you two bond <laughs> he nods sadly <laughs> he agrees with her meanwhile on the moon <laughs> man this is the slowest trip I ever took fuck I thought going to the moon would be instantaneous. Huh, Poindexter? Yeah, good one, Marsden. I'm like a cat. Cats hate water, Cliffy. Now shut your stupid ass and watch me park this spaceship like a pro, bitch. He squints and fiddles gingerly with the steering wheel. There's a long, piercing, scraping noise, followed by a massive crash and explosions as he crashes into the moon and moon base. In a control room, a red button that says Marsden again begins blinking. Rihanna wearing a headset's all. Sir, we have lunar impact. Twelve dead and counting. The moon base commander clamps on his cigar, spits it out, and goes, Marsden! Due to Marsden, a bunch of stuff explodes, and a boat flagpole starts falling towards Rihanna's headset. But at the last second, no one ever got laid being smart, Dickie. Hang on. This thing got any brakes. 
Sir, he's somehow using the hand-shaped claw on the front of his spaceship to grip our falling object and move it out of the way. He's a genius. The button that says nice exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) It did not take long. Well, Unrich knows. Turns dim blue and starts melting. <laughs> Later, the moon base Asian commanders all. Marsden, gripping things is not what claws are for. You are reckless, a maverick, a lovable rogue. Uh, I saved everybody from that thing I knocked over. You're welcome, moon. What the fuck are we even doing up here, anyhow? Your cavalier attitude is most attractive. He storms off. I resign. Marsden shouts after him. Can I still act on TV after this? He smirks at us. The nerds all. Yikes, that went well. Uh, Hey, look, an Asian goyle. Marsden's all. Watch and learn, dipshit. He squirts Banaka in his eye and sashays over. Hey, Mama, guess who my character's father is? I think it's Randy Quaid. (laughs) I think you have good chance with my father, white man. Wow. Dingus, you know the rule. I only do it if I think the movie's racist. (laughs) Really? He could have any Mars. I mean, uh, listen, uh, what say you and me go somewhere off screen and feign chemistry? (laughs) We're in the most romantic spot in the galaxy to look at a full moon. Meanwhile, in a room, William Fickner watches CG screens of giant alien spaceship-shaped blips converge on a minuscule Earth-shaped one with pixelated chittering noises. He's all, hmm. Meanwhile, since Jeff Goldblum's a scientist, he visits an African warlord. Goldblum's sidekick wears glasses and a suit and says dumb shit like Marsden's sidekick. I think his name's Chet. The African warlord's all, Ha-ha, I am holding a gun on you. Come look at a circle I drew on a wall. (laughs) Jeff Goldblum, what are you doing in Africa? Oh, just stammering, stammering. Yeah, I think we, uh, I don't think I'm, you know, so different than your average, you know, average, but I travel for work. Recently, friends said I should take major trips, so I'll know no matter how you travel, it's still you going. So I came here to, what's the word, to, to go fishing, but it's a little smelly to me. I don't like it so much. I like to eat fish, uh, but I don't like to catch them. <laughs> Is that what you're hoping for? <laughs> yeah. She walks off. Chet's all, whew, it just got Africa hot in here. Who's she? I thought she had a girlfriend who worked at the White House in the last movie. Her name's uh, Susan Alexander Carroll. I remember it using an acronym. We tripped over each other at a few conferences. I'll bet she did. PA walks up to Goldblum and goes, General, you may want to see this. He points to a radar screen of the aliens watching them via webcam. <laughs> The scene's countdown timer at the bottom trickles ominously from three to two. The African dictator's all, I drew something similar, but just a circle. My children call me simple in the head, so I eat them. The British girl's all, I've shown the same circle to 47 people, and they all showed the same lack of interest. Jeff, the aliens from Dependence are on their way back to Earth, this planet. Aliens, yes, okay, well, we should probably build some space arcs and stargates so our Marines can, you know, do, do their stuff, uh, eject their seats. <laughs> Back on the moon, Marston's now hitting on the white pilot girl who works at the White House, who's also now on the moon, and Bill Pullman's daughter. He's all, come on, don't tell me sex with me wasn't the best two minutes of your life. 
the nerd sidekicks all, you're doing great, Pally. I serve you. She walks off. Marsden and his nerd pal fist bump triumphantly. Then get into a ship and start flying and use its claw to pull back curtains so they can watch girl astronauts take showers. The nerds all, by the way, buddy, I saw Jaden Smith shaking hands with the president yesterday. Marsden shakes his head sadly. He gets to shake a hand and I'm on the moon, sitting here with you. I'm such a loser. Fuck. Well, you did almost kill him somehow in a scene that's not in the movie, but it doesn't need to be, I guess. Roland knows what he's doing. Suddenly a computer voice is all, thank you for using QQ, and shuts down all the computers on the moon. Marston's all, great, now what I break. They get out and go into a garage and stare at the Asian girl as she flips her hair. Behind them, her dad's all, ahem. They turn around sheepishly. He's all, can I get an autograph too? Back to work. Meanwhile, someone with a beard brings some orchids to Data, who's in a coma from getting thrown through some glass 20 years ago. The beard friend is all, here you go, pal. I know they're not exactly your favorites, but a creepy guy comes in, hits a jar of filthy Vaseline to the bearded guy and goes, okay, it's 40 bucks for half an hour with him. Also, his eyes might open, but that just means you're hurting him. Suddenly, Data jolts upright in his hospital bed and stares around wildly. Did we win? He stares at his friend and goes, holy shit, you got really bald and fat, but you look amazing. Back in the Moonbase cafeteria, where everyone's eating normal food, Marsden notices everyone around him has suddenly stopped eating. He sighs and goes, Jaden just walked in, didn't he? Behind <laughs> him, Jaden scowls. Marsden gets up, goes over to Jaden, goes, I think when your dad said welcome to Earth to an alien and then punched it 20 years ago, he didn't mean the first part. Jaden knocks him to the floor. The nerds all, yeah, Marsden, you get him, buddy. The Asian general's tapping his foot. Marsden, what's going on here? Uh, the floor is slippery. <laughs> He falls over again a few more times and dumps garbage on himself to lend credence to his flimsy cover story. <laughs> it's long. The White House pilot daughter comes over and goes, Marston, I think my name's Tina, by the way. It was never going to be you leading that squadron. Marston nods at everyone in the cafeteria. You know, the last thing I ever said to my parents was how much I hate them. The nerd sidekicks all. And that's why I want to be in your family. They all take turns hugging Marsden while Jaden watches. Meanwhile, in a monitor room, Pickner watches more screens. Eventually, he's all up the alert level to red. <laughs> that's in the movie, by the way. <laughs> Verbatim. A ship that looks like the Geffen logo appears arbitrarily somehow <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> and begins twirling moon dust around. Fickner's all. Madam President, the ship has the words Deus Ex Machina engraved on its side, although it says it speaks English, too. It says that civilization was eradicated by the aliens, which somehow makes them an expert on destroying them. Goldblum's all. Yeah, gee, the uh, lack of humanity before nature that's that's being displayed here, it, uh, it, it, it staggers. Seela Ward's all. Goldblum's right. Shoot it down. They blow up the ship. <laughs> it crashes into the moon base, killing thousands of teenagers in the cafeteria. Everybody in the war room cheers. Goldblum taps on a screen and goes, uh, "General, uh, Madam President, uh, now I I need to get in there and 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 see what see what we just blew up, right? Hello, General Lojazal. Professor, you can go to the moon and understand what just happened after our victory celebration, celebrating what just happened. That's an order, and I expect to see your best smile." All the generals chuckle. One's all, "Fuck you, Goldblum." Goldblum's all. You want to see my best smile? He hits a button. His screen's replaced by words that say, Internet Explorer is now your default browser. 
Behind him, the African dictator takes out his sword, strokes an old black and white photograph of himself, and goes, Let's see aliens have an answer to 18th century metal. The girl from the White House lands nearby in a helicopter spaceship, gets out and goes, Dr. Goldblum, I heard what you said about smiling, so I'm here to take you to the moon. The British woman's all, Me, three. Goldblum sidekicks all, I'm not going in that thing. <laughs> he gets on board. The rest follow him. As they sit down, Goldblum's all, This... This doesn't seem as bad a paycheck as I was expecting, I guess, except for getting into the uh, into, into the character. Marsden's all, I haven't started the engines yet. He turns the engine on and Goldblum screams and throws up. Meanwhile, Judd Hirsch is doing a book tour for his book, My Delusions That I Saved the World to Old People. The greatest generation's not very interested, and since he's their age, he shouldn't be interested. But instead, he's all, you want to know how the world is saved, but don't read the book, oi, for a limited time only, just nine ninety five. I know there's no currency anymore, but... One of the old people stands up, scowls at Roland Emmerich, and goes, You told us this was Cocoon 3! They all start booing and pelting him with hard candy. Back on the moon, Goldblum and Marsden are flying in a submarine towards the crash site of the destroyed Geffen ship. In the control room, Fickner whispers, Is there a way of seeing what they're seeing? Rihanna's all, You can even talk to him. She hands him a headset. We rarely do. Meanwhile, Celia Ward's giving another speech at the Washington Monument. Thank you all again for staying here since my last speech. As my aides have already leaked, we blew up a spaceship yesterday on the moon, ignoring the protests of Jeff Goldblum. Everyone cheers. She's all. For national security reasons, I'm afraid we're having you all sterilized. As another cheer goes up, Bill Pullman, wearing an open hospital gown, runs through the crowd, ignores the Secret Service men guarding the stage, vaults up to the podium, grabs the mic, and goes, I came here to deliver a crazed, vague warning. Thank God I'm in time. He's drowned out as alien spaceships start destroying cities. Rihanna's all, Sir, according to the CG, the new mothership is actually bigger than the alien ship from the first movie. The general's all, Damn it, what an unforeseeable twist. Ugh. The Asian general's all, Never mind Earth, what about Marsden? Uh, yeah, me and Goldblum here found nothing at the crash site. Uh, no reason for us to go there at all. One sec, attacking aliens. Yeah, my my ship's claws not having much effect against their hulls. Dr. Goldblum stammered something. Uh, the aliens, I can't make it out. Repeat. Marsden, get out of there before you damage the claw. Also, you don't need to go. We can do that in ADR. Rihanna's all, sir, our torpedoes are striking the mothership. Reports are coming in from the pilots and audience. Negative impact. The general spits out a fresh cigar. <laughs> Damn it. This is what we get for not listening to Hirsch. The alien mothership blows up something called a Jupiter base that we've never seen, then glides over to the moon base and aims a cannon at it. The Asian generals dyingly all, Marsden! Dr. Character! Uh, who else? Am I married? <laughs> he explodes, but not from the aliens. Having developed a taste for killing Asian people, the alien mothership heads to China and begins sucking all the people and buildings up into the air. Goldblum's all, what comes up must come down. In the mothership, the aliens look at each other, nod approvingly, and hit a button. Ten million Chinese people in buildings suddenly plummets, screaming and crying and cursing Jeff Goldblum. The general's all, damn it, Goldblum, the aliens can hear us, you idiot. Stop giving them ideas. At the Washington Monument, Sheila Ward's all, thank you all again for standing around. I wish to extend my verbal sympathy to the Chinese people and also to the moon. But on a lighter note, as you can see from the screen behind me, construction completed rebuilding the White House, the Eiffel Tower, the Statue of Liberty, the Grand Canyon, and the La Brea Tar Pits, everything that was destroyed in the first Independence Day. So let me just say, God bless the American ones. 
As alien ships destroy all the monuments on the screens behind her, a press secretary leans over and whispers, Eiffel Tower was day after tomorrow. Grand Canyon was 2012. A red phone rings. <laughs> she picks up and goes, General, I'll put you on speaker so the crowd here at the monument can hear what you just told me. Uh, don't see the point. All I said was the ship's about to touch the earth, ma'am. Which part? All of it. <laughs> Rihanna's all, Madam President, the aliens are trying to steal the earth's core? Kind of weird. That never came up in the first movie. Emmerich hastily cuts to a scene of Judd Hirsch on a boat trying to outrace a tidal wave. He looks back at it and goes, Oh, sweet Moses! Yes, Roland. Yeah, Judd, can you crank up the Jewish a little? <laughs> Meanwhile, Jaden Smith pilots a helicopter towards a hospital roof with Vivica Fox and a baby on it. Mom, what the hell are you doing on the roof of the hospital with a single baby? What was your plan? Never mind that, boy. Quick, just come closer so I can get on. Okay, now the baby's on. Now I'm just going to... Okay, here I come. Oh, no closer, you stupid son of a... She explodes. Jaden's all, no! I lost another parent to an alien invasion on screen this time. Rihanna's all, sir, Jaden and the aliens are screaming. Goldblum's all, they're not screaming, they're, they're celebrating. They just killed Vivica Fox. It wasn't easy. Did you see how long Jaden had to wait? Bill Pullman's all, hang on, guys, I got an idea. Don't try to talk me out of this. He walks into a glass room with an alien in it and lets it strangle him with its tentacles. Then it throws him through some glass. The general's all, yeah, thanks, Mr. President. <laughs> Meanwhile, some kids are driving a camper through some boats. One's all, hey, look, an old man doing nothing. We should help him. They drag a reluctant <laughs> Judd Hirsch into the camper and make him drive him. <laughs> One sticks his tongue out at Hirsch and goes, my dad says you did nothing in the first movie. He says Randy Quaid's sex tape's better than this one. <laughs> Your dad's a putz. Another kid's all, she's just sad because her boyfriend Connor's a goner. <laughs> what the goner? Someone who's dead. Felix, don't define words for her. What the putz? Suddenly, Hirsch sees a liquor store. He grins excitedly. <laughs> what do we have here? <laughs> a lot going on. A kid wearing bunny ears next to a school bus by the liquor store is all. Our driver went somewhere to have sex with his girlfriend. Judd Hirsch steals the bus. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Geffen ship on the moon's all. Thank you for shooting me. I am here to tell you to kill the queen alien. It's the big one. <laughs> on a desert runway, the girl character hugs Marsden, then tries awkwardly to kiss him while he puts on his flight helmet. <laughs> She's all, my dad's alive still. Make those aliens pay. He's all, I don't go places to make friends. By the way, I looked at houses. The one on Harrison Street, it's big enough for both of us. Plus, it's the only one left standing. Marsden and Marsden, Marsden and Jade and all the other people playing teenagers get into jets and start strafing the mothership. They all die instantly, except for Marsden, who randomly crash lands inside the ship where there's a swamp. Rich, <laughs> just ideas careen from you. In Washington, Pullman jolts upright in a hospital bed and goes, "She knows you're shooting at her." The general's all, yeah, thanks, Mr. President. <laughs> kind of gathered. Yeah, we're good. At the Washington Monument, Sheila Ward's all, thank you all for waiting here for the aliens to come kill us. Now here's Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum <laughs> clears his throat and taps the mic. He's all, hello, is this thing on? I, I'll assume from your silence it's on. Yes, I 
I, I just wanted to say, to, to point out that, that we can't win this. Emmerich alone, Bill Pullman shoves him aside and goes, that's what people said 20 years ago. But we convinced everybody that we'd get lucky at the last second by the aliens using Windows 95 so we could hack it, which I guess we can't do this time. And that's something worth fighting for, because without that, we're not independent. Just a day. Thank you. Roland Emmerich claps off screen. <laughs> The guy in a submarine's all, hey, Madam President, uh, <clears throat> we don't have seven hours till the Earth's destroyed. We met one. Sorry. <laughs> Meanwhile, Marsden's in the alien mothership swamp, which is strangely alien-free. He looks around cautiously and starts farting. Suddenly, his nerd friend jump scares him. Gotcha! Jesus, Cliffy, would you quit fucking around? This is serious combat mission. Could mean the extinction of humanity. Watch and learn. He walks into plain view of some aliens doing nothing in a window and goes, hey, aliens, look. He unzips and starts peeing. Instead of shooting him, they watch with indifference. <laughs> I follow Marsden's lead and hit the restroom. When I return to my seat, the nerd sidekicks all, Marsden, Marsden, do you copy? After some telegraphing music cues, Marsden's voice coming out of an off-screen radio is all, told you you'd get lonely without my quips. Marsden, whoa, don't do that to me. The girl character's all, oh, Marsden, I'm so happy that you not being dead was the last cliche. Hey, honey, it's me, Bill Pullman. I'm in a jet, and I'm about to recycle <laughs> Randy Quaid's heroic kamikaze move from the first movie. Hopefully Alien Queen doesn't also have a shield, or I'm about to die for nothing. <laughs> Dad, you saved the world once. I hate the world, uh, Tina. I'm saving you. Although you're flying alongside me in that other jet, so maybe you should pull back. He explodes <laughs> along with the mothership. The alien queen appears and starts chasing Judd Hirsch's school bus as it slows down to pick up a dog. <laughs> so much of it's verbatim, isn't it? Just as it's about to eat the Earth's core and the school bus, the girl character flies a plane nearby it while screaming. The queen explodes. <laughs> The Geffen ships all. You are the greatest species ever. Data's all. We're not so primitive now, huh? Oh, especially thanks to all the advanced technology you just taught us. <laughs> Goldblum and the teenagers line up while Celia Ward pins medals on them at the Washington Monument, although the crowd's now gone. I look over at Will Smith sitting beside me and go, okay, three men in blacks, though? The end. <laughs> Yeah, the genius of that, Kelly Wan, is it you didn't you just told us. I didn't have to a, change much. Yeah. Roland Emmerich carries the weight. It's that kind of movie. Carrying the weight. I know. It's so but just so we're on the same page, the first Independence Day was fucking shit, right? Well, that's what I wondered because I, I had this weird I for whatever reason I was kinda of looking forward to this and What? Yeah, get, I never was well, Yeah, you guys kinda of made fun of me, but it, so then Dingus, you watched the original one just now. What is it terrible? First of all, wouldn't it be men's in black? Men's in black. I thought of that. Yeah. Like attorneys general. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just watched it this week again. And is there so, any reason to have seen that movie and then look forward to a sequel twenty years later? No. Um, it's not. I remember thinking it's, yeah, it's dated. It's not, it's not. It is dated. It is extremely it. dated. Um, it's really. It's very and it's, silly, and it's it's utterly cliche. What'd you say? We didn't have anything better yet. Like there wasn't even like there weren't enough blockbusters or CG. Like in 1996, wasn't that like the first? I mean, 
Or even Emmerich, like his only movie before that was Stargate, right? Like it was before Brett Ratner. This was this one really started like destroying national monuments in, in earnest. I mean right. in, in groups. I mean not like never one, real. one towering inferno or one statue of liberty. I mean this is we're gonna we're gonna destroy a bunch of national monuments and just do wholesale destruction. So there is sort of a weird, uh strange creepy glee in watching all of those things happen. Um but and there are things that that are enjoyable about the about the first Independence Day, especially if you're immature. Um, and certainly after watching this, it's it's highly recommended. Um, but What's highly recommended? The first Independence Day. The first Day? one, yeah. Oh, the first one's much better than this. Um, Is it highly recommended though. Uh, if you're going to watch uh, one Independence Day oh, I see season, <laughs> watch that one. Um, but but yeah, it's 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 really dated. It's really weird watching. You know, Will Smith go out to the corner to pick up a newspaper, open the newspaper while standing at the corner, and everybody in his entire neighborhood is evacuating. And he's like, oh, the neighbors are going on vacation, looks like, or maybe they're moving. And then he finally looks up and sees a giant spaceship in, in Los Angeles. Um, it's, it's, very, it's a very silly movie. It's, a very, it's horribly done, um, but it's nowhere near as bad as this one. But uh, you need a Will Smith at least, I think. Like I thought, I thought he was really missed in this. I, I think that's what they were. The, my my takeaway from this whole thing is that it's basically a young adult fiction movie. It's a, it's a Roland yeah. Emmerich trying, and and the fact that Liam Hemsworth is our Will Smith. You know, he's a yeah. Hunger Games kid. Oh, he's not even. He's he's just doesn't hold no, it. No, but I think that's what they're going no. for. Thing is, is they, right, they right. couldn't get it's Will theory. Smith, so they're like, well, what do we do? Who do we sell this to? You know, the Hunger Games movies are great. There's a market to tap into, these young adult movies that are making all this money. Let's make one of those, and instead of Will Smith, let's get uh, Liam Hemsworth and give it that kind of tone. Like, does does, does the original movie have this kind of young adult? Like, it it doesn't have this, like, junior varsity space fighter. No, no. They're more mature. There's adults in the first movie, right? Yeah, because Jeff Goldblum has gone through a divorce, and that's the woman he he goes back to in the White House is the woman he's divorced from. Will, uh, Will Smith is uh, in love with and contemplating um, contemplating proposing to his stripper girlfriend who has a child and he's he's trying to figure out whether or not he's going to be this child's stepdad and how that relationship is going to work so it has a much more adult sort of setting about it as, yeah, as, a, as opposed to all these like kids from that that silly Ender's game movie that we saw going around and I think that's you know that's who they hoped would turn out and see this. Uh, that seems weird though, because no, no one kids won't have any nostalgia for it. Yeah, well, there's no hope. Kids won't have the nostalgia for it. Uh, I don't know that you can really just out of whole cloth appeal to the young adult market like that. Like it seems to me, a young adult movie has to come from some sort of a book or some sort of existing property. I yeah. could be wrong. Uh, this is lamer than Hunger Games as a premise. It's just fucking aliens. No, well, it I doesn't think... like like even Jurassic World, which I is is actually my over. Uh, Jurassic and I didn't Ooh. like Jurassic World. Uh, kids like dinosaurs. You know, the aliens in this are a terrible substitute for that because mm-hmm. in the first movie they they have no character. <clears throat> like, there's no sense for who these aliens are, or what they look like, and if I'm not mistaken. I think the script originally wasn't even supposed to show you the aliens. It was just as they were developing the movie that someone was like, you know, we really need to show aliens in here. We have to have Will Smith punch one. But originally the movie was supposed to be this this idea of these shadowy unseen forces, kind of like War of the Worlds, because in War of the Worlds, you don't see aliens. Uh, Yeah, you do. 
Well, well, you do at the very end. Like you see their foot. You, you have the you have the stuff in World of Worlds where they're running around in the farmhouse. No, in the Tim Robbins. I'm talking about the original, like, War of the Worlds. With, oh, oh, I see. Like, and that's part of the H.D. Wells theme, if I'm not mistaken, is they're just machines. Like, we don't get this sense right. that there's people or uh, – so so I think that's what the original Independence Day was going to do. Partway through production, they're like, okay, we got to give these aliens – we got to put these aliens in here. And therefore, they had no personality. Nobody remembers the aliens. Like, even in this, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that is what the aliens looked like with the, like, weird tentacles waving around behind them. Yeah. Yeah, the strange the exoskeleton thing that they do. Yeah, and there's no there's no hook for kids to see this. I, I think. Yeah. Well, I think that the idea. I I really honestly do think the idea is that the people who saw it 20 years ago who loved it uh, are supposed to have um, 20 years later have kids that they're incepting uh, to see it um, and to want to see it and to and to give them a love for it as well. Right. You know, to, like to hand down this. Oh, I saw this great movie. Let's watch it together. Something that. You know, I, I have to see this movie, so my son's like, you know, I would like to see that too. Well, all right, let's watch the first one together, and maybe you'll like that, and maybe we'll go to see the second one together. So maybe that's what they're relying on, you know, people from 20 years ago getting their kids to see it. And I think that's doomed to fail too because 20 yeah. years ago this idea – you know, Armageddon was a couple of years after this movie, uh, and, and since then this kind of a genre is, hey, let's trash as much stuff in the world as we can. Uh, they do it in you know, even Marvel movies. It's the whole idea is that you have to – Blow up cities. Uh, so that's nothing special anymore. Like movies have come along and been doing that for right. 20 years and are continuing to do it. So unlike Jurassic World, you know, what are you going to see to get a dinosaur fix? Everybody's already got this fix. Of You know, 20 years ago, we saw a movie where all these cities get trashed. We've been seeing that ever since then. You know, but Jurassic Park, I think, would hold up today even. Like the, the stuff in the kitchen is still a good action. Sure, but sure. I wouldn't – but Independence Day Resurgence, I wouldn't even recommend it to – old people who cheered at the speech in the first movie. Right, right. I'm just kind of trying to get into the heads of the people who greenlit this and who put it's something like a $160 million budget, uh, who threw all this money at it. Um, I'm There's kind no of wondering, you know, what were they thinking? Because I'm not the least bit surprised that, that it bombed. That, uh, no, I'm not either. It deserved it. But, like, the, even the, just the idea... Like, I remember Independence Day, the first one, at least being kind of clean, like really boring and shitty and cliche and bland, but, like... All right, if you're really stupid, I can see where you'd like it, maybe. <laughs> but like in this one, there's just like weird idea, like this, the the fact that they have this ecosystem and the ship, but there's no follow up on that. Like it's just there's palm fronds and stuff. Sorry. So that's actually something <laughs> that I I really want to like. I like that's that like actually the, like because it reminds me of some of the science fiction I've read. Uh, like I, right, I think like it might remind me of like Eon, like Greg Bear or something like like something that's over the Earth, but also has its own ecosystem that's traveling through space right. and has created its own environment. But there's no follow through. It's right. like you, right. you right. don't exactly. see the ecosystem. And it's the same too, you guys, with the the size of the ship. Like I like the idea they were playing at with with. That it's so big that it, you know, it grazes the moon and it lands on the entire Pacific and that it's 3,000 miles across. And it seems at times they're trying to play with that with some of the special effects, but then at other times they just show a big disc. And, yeah. yeah. And then at you the know, end, it if that was really away. that size, you wouldn't be able to see one side of it. Like, you would not be able to see. Right. Across. It's like a continent. You wouldn't be able to see that it would be curved. Exactly, Dingus. It would be like a continent. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to. Like the, the, the like, Earth is wearing a weird hat. In the script, I could see, you know, hey, there's these cool ideas you could play with, and like Dingus is talking about with the in, the ecosystem inside, but none of that gets realized, and they don't really do anything interesting. Yeah, with it. It just kind of just just squats <laughs> there, and 
And the dialogue, too. Good lord. What ter- are, are all yeah, of Roland Emmerich's movies? Yeah, they are. That's the thing. Aren't they? Well, I think so, because, you know, I, I'm always listening to these movies through the, through the ear lens <laughs> of Tom's uh, salinity quote from one of those silly movies. Cause that was when, oh, yeah. It might have been. When the president says, initiate the orbital defense system, I'll, anytime any line like that is said, I start to giggle and think of Tom talking about the salinity factor in either 2012 or the day after tomorrow. I can't remember which it is. It's, it's Randy uh, – Dennis Quaid in – is it 2012? I think it is day after tomorrow. Actually, now that you mentioned it. Dennis Quaid says at one point – it's a, a line he's, has been written for him and it's supposed to be in complete earnest – says, we've reached the critical desalination point or something. It's something <laughs> like that. It's just Roland Emmerich's like, okay, that sounds scientific. Say this. Or Dean Devlin. You know, I don't know which one of those yahoos is responsible for what. But there were a couple of that, these in here. Uh I think they're after our molten core. That's an actual line in this. <laughs> it's yeah. like, that is, uh, how yeah. can that not be a joke? Right? <laughs> I, Those are rare. That's the one part of Earth that seems like the boring part. If I was an alien, I I'd go, all wait, it's all this surface stuff. A lot of yeah, they all have, have that, board. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. They're after our, our dust. <laughs> They're after our carbon. Well, see, Kelly, that's how they power their ship. Hello. That's oh, how they power their ship, and then they, they increase their technology, and they run around, you know. They're they squids, but Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith can co- can pilot the ship using their hands on the controls. Right, because their technology hasn't changed, except for the day of new displays. <laughs> I hate it at the end where they're, they're – it's sort of implying there's going to be more of these. We're going to blow up even more aliens, like – well, no, this no. was part of the idea. Is this is supposed to be part of a tri- like the everything? Is. Yeah, I know. But why the fuck? Like, if you already can't afford Will Smith anymore, like, aren't your best days behind you? Like, you're not supposed to be building a new franchise without, like, okay, we're gonna make fifty more Lord of the Rings movies, but Ian McKellen's on it. But I think that at the end, what they announce, you know, he says it's going to be Interstellar. So I think they're trying to say that Interstellar is the third movie in this series. I get it. they're they're uh, bush they're bush doctrining the aliens, Dingus. Yeah. They're gonna kick some serious they're gonna take the fight to them. We don't Mammals, have to Davis. we're fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them here, Dingus. Yeah. It's a sound doctrine. Because we don't want to see them we don't we've lost enough landmarks. Also, uh, okay, I have a quick um a quick mini quiz for you two. Hmm. Uh how many movies in the last year about a year have we seen where we see things being pulled into the sky by aliens um, and then slammed back down to Earth, or just things being pulled out of the sky. I can only think of one. The sky. um, Skyline. And then there, wait, there is another one. Well, we but liked it, that in Age of, Tran- or Age of Extinction. The, Tran- yep, the Age Julianne of, Moore one, too. Age of Extinction is one of them. Very Julianne good. Moore, though, uh, is just people. Like they're not, and that's a spoiler. They don't. This whole idea that it's just like vacuum, like hoovering well, a whole city. What is that? Again, the following? What is that? Forgotten. The forgotten. The forgotten. Though that's not this year. I mean, just in the last year. So we've got Age of Extinction. That was the good one, where we have the famous uh, <laughs> Anli Tucci line. Tom. Oh my God! Thank you. Uh, can you name a couple others where things are just yanked from the Earth into the sky and either slammed back down into the Earth or just yanked up? God, I don't remember anything else, Dingus. That's a good question. Give us hints. Is it things we saw for the podcast? Uh, yes, two of them. Uh, actually, all three of them. I know the gray. Three of them. You mean you mean one of them being Transformers: Age of Extinction? Yes, one so of them two being more Transformers. So two more. 
Gosh, Kelly Wan, do you know? I can't think of anything. That we've done for the podcast. Yes. Things getting sucked up into the air, into the sky, and then drop back down. Mm-hmm. Magnolia doesn't count because that's older. Magnolia in the last year, you said? Yeah, in the last year. In fact, one of them uh, was this year. No, two of them were this year. Two of them are oh, 2016 movies. That can't be true. Because I'm just thinking no of it way. happening into entire cities. I get Dingus is probably talking about something like with a car. Oh, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. No, car. I'm not talking about that. Oh, because that does happen in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Is uh, What's her name? Brie Larson? No. Um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead gets in the car and he gets sucked up and then dropped. Can I get half a point for that one, Dingus? No, I'm talking about things on a mass scale. But I want half a point. I'm just asking for half a point. You Isn't can have half special? a point. I don't know what you, how you're going to cash it in. I really thought that's what you were thinking of because that – wow, I can't imagine on a mass scale. Oh, you guys – it's got to be something that you guys saw that I didn't, like X-Men Apocalypse. One of them is X-Men Apocalypse. See, I, sure. I should be excused from that one, but good we're, one. We're, so we're things actually get sucked – like a whole city gets sucked up and dropped down? Cities get sucked up. Wow. Ships get pulled out of the ocean. Captain America – Man, you're Avengers. making me want to see it now. Yeah, so Age that happens Ultra. in uh, X-Men Apocalypse. And uh, the other something it. called the World Machine. Wait, wait, wait oh, that's... that's in X-Men Apocalypse. No, it's in a movie called Batman vs. Superman. Oh, wait, no, you mean Man of no. Steel? No. Maybe it's Man of Steel. Yeah, I think oh, it may because we, we see a flashback to it, though, Dingus, so fair enough. It's technically in... Uh, Batman vs. Superman. That's right, and I forgot that I saw the same, and the, both both those in the same week. Well, thing is, could I also machine that that pulls things out of the right. out of the earth and slams them back down? And, could you know. I add two more? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, isn't that kind of what happens at Age of Ultron, where they lift up Segovia or whatever that is and so, drop it back yeah. down? Yeah, yeah. They're lifting like it up, and then they're going to shoot it back down at the earth to blow up the world. Yeah, that's what on. causes the Accords. They're like, all right, no more cities getting sucked up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what about that stadium in that X-Men movie that you guys liked that I didn't care for? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, shoot, which X-Men movie? Where, uh, I haven't Michael liked an X-Men movie or, since Michael Fassbender lifts up, like, I don't know, Dodger Stadium or whatever. Actually, whatever. nobody oh, likes Days of Future Past, so I don't know what you're talking about. Everyone okay. hated Days of Future Past. I didn't like any of them, so I forget which one you guys like and don't like. All right, so that one also. I'm but like, yeah, talking about like whole cities like being pulled right. up into the sky, and, and as soon as that started happening, I'm like, I've seen this how many times? And I just started writing, like, these are the movies I've already seen this in. Come on, cut it out. Because right, the world machine would like lift things up and then slam them back down like repeatedly. It was like this undulate right. kind of deal. It yeah, trying to it was trying to change the gravity of the Earth in order to make it more like Krypton. Well, I think we can all agree, as with Armageddon, nobody does it as well as Michael Bay. So seriously, Transformers: <laughs> Age of Extinction. There you go. I'm with you. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So how I about, guess when you have Emmerich, Michael Bay, I'll take Michael Bay over rolling Emmerich. Yeah. So do you think I hate to at least? Uh, so how do you feel about uh, Roland Emmerich making a joke about the the dog thing in the first Independence movie? Oh, I hate it. I hate everything. Well, it's just the idea that they have to save the dog before the bus can drive off. Yeah, yeah. Is because that the, I mean, oh, that's, that's the dog, I guess so. Yeah, exactly. Very good, Kelly. Um, you know, uh, we have to wait for the dog, I guess. Um, is I mean, it's that that first moment. That's that ultra cliche moment in the first movie, and I watched it unfold while I was sitting in my living room watching it with my son. As this dog is running down a tunnel, being followed by a ball of fire, and a door opens to his left, and he can jump through the door because fire can't turn corners, and he's saved. And my son is like, "Well, if that dog, if they had killed that dog, I would have been so mad." 
Like hundreds and thousands of humans have died, but this is this is what we do as moviegoers. If the dog can be saved, then we're fine. And I think Jeff Goldblum is making that joke. But then I don't know what Roland Emmerich is doing by then adding a school bus full of children. Yeah, the thing is that raises the stakes. <laughs> Wait, but the, the dog it, comes later though. He already has the kids. Yeah, you're gonna add a dog too. No, no, he's got the dog already. And Goldblum. Also, they're in the school bus with Judd Hirsch and Jeff Goldblum, so it's no kind of not. They're, they're all gonna die too. No, Jeff Goldblum's not in the school bus. He is later, though. He oh, later. He says, "Are we gonna?" Jeff Goldblum's the one going. Are we waiting? Are we gonna pick up the dog? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But I mean, when he actually when they when they first like all get in the school bus together. When he first like commandeers the school bus because the school bus driver wants to go off and have sex with his girlfriend. I remember, <laughs> right? That's but do you, great. You think Roland Emmerich is trying to be funny? Yeah, he's always trying to be funny, and he's never funny. I think he's that. Yeah, I do think. Party party guy. I, I mean, I do think that he he figures this is like a big action comedy. He's hilarious. Yeah. So do you think he's also, an action comedy, and Brent Spiner's the only one who's in on the joke? Well, Goldblum's supposed to be, but Goldblum's so exhausted in this. I mean, I think we're supposed to also think of like, and this just pains me to say it, but I can imagine Roland Emmerich thinking, you know, like maybe having Liam Hemsworth watch Guardians of the Galaxy and think, okay, you're the Chris Pratt. You know, this is your character. <laughs> yeah. You're lovable and roguish and wisecracking, and, you know, you're going to be like funny. Everybody's going to laugh at your lines. That's you. Go. You're you like know? Will Smith, but white. I, I just, well, I, I, does anybody like Liam Hemsworth, by the way? Like, no, and also the the Will Smith son characters suck too. Oh, that guy was just a non-entity. Horrible. I don't know where they got him. That guy's supposed to make you. That guy's supposed to evoke Will Smith. He's, he's supposed to go. Oh yeah, he's totally got that DNA. How about that moment where he, I mean he's he's trying to sell that whole thing where he's given orders to people. First of all, right. the lines are terrible. We're going to converge at the same time. I believe that's yeah. what converge means. <laughs> Let's yeah, converge concurrently. You converge first, and then you converge, and then you converge. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's unsynchronize our watches and converge at the same time. But he can't sell any of that, and in fact, he can't even say the lines. He's like, "And we're going to go to uh, something." I mean, he can't even say the lines. He's terrible. That kid. His name is Jesse T. Usher, and I'm sorry to have to call him out, but he's horrible in this. No, he's but, terrible, and he's but he has big shoes to fill, and. It says a lot about Emmerich. It's like, yeah, I got. Okay. He's not the Will Smith. I mean, you're right, Kelly. Wan, it's supposed to be his DNA, but they're really doing this, uh, you know, young junior fighter squad kitty crew Ender's thing. Game. Yeah, yeah, like not even Ender's Game because Ender's Game, I think, was su- supposedly for adults. Um, right. Like th- this well. was, this was clearly that whole bit too at the end. Like, I think this is supposed to be funny. Uh, where the 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 weird nebbishy sidekick is like, oh, can we do that? He's like yeah. dinner first. <laughs> it's like, oh my uh, god, so so tin eared and just creepy yeah. and weird. Yeah. Yeah. I th- so I actually felt bad at that point for making fun of the the skeevy kid in Jurassic World. Like that little scene right there made the skeevy kid in Jurassic World like leering at all of his uh, all of the the girls in the park. That guy seemed fine <laughs> in comparison. That whole can we do that? Oh my god, that was so weird. <laughs> Like, did the actor, did he basically say, should I really do this, Roland? Like, <laughs> people are going to think this is creepy and weird, and they're not going to like it. And Roland's like, it'll be funny. Go for it. Say it. Yeah. God, that was just weird. But there was so much heat between them, Tom. Ugh. 
who was she in Agent Forty Seven, by the way? Because I looked up that that actress. Her name's Angela Baby. Angela Baby, yeah. Who was she in Agent Forty Seven? I didn't remember a hot Asian chick, but maybe I don't remember Agent. 47. I remember us talking about her. I don't remember okay. Agent Forty Seven. I other than that, I liked it. I don't remember, I remember that, it well enough to remember how bad this movie was. And then looking her up and thinking, oh yeah, we've seen her in Agent Forty Seven, really made me want to see Agent Forty Seven. So I at least again, so I at least want to thank Roland Emmerich for that. Well, I liked Liam Hemsworth in something we've seen. I think it might have been Expendables right. Two. Um, he was something like <laughs> it might not have been that. He was a sniper in something. He was just part of a. Oh God, Dingus, you're right. What was that? Love and he was, he was killed mm-hmm. early on. No, we didn't see that. Oh, uh, Dingus has a great point. What the heck was that? And he was killed early on. He was really, really good, really compelling. And not nearly as bland as he is here. God, it might uh, have been an Expendables movie. It might have been the Expendables movie, but I'm not sure. Um, but I seem to remember him being the young kid as part of a squad and and being really compelling and thinking, all right, good, I'll, I'll watch what you do. I mean, you're not just the brother of Thor. I'll watch you. And then lately I'm just like, oh, God, I can't wait for you to go away. Yeah, mm-hmm. Dingus, it must have been uh, – I mean, not that I'm looking at – it must have been Expendables 2. I'm not looking at yeah. – just looking here at his I'm cheating, but – I can't I think, see anything else. I think, it, I think it's that. I think it was him as a, a sniper in that and getting just offed early on and being like, damn, you're the one thing I liked about this right. so far. And it's before his eyebrows? We, before we knew he was a putz. So. His eyebrows? Putz. His, uh, Liam Hensworth's eyebrows were bugging me. In, in <laughs> and also the school bus, I don't know, they just seem like caterpillary, like Kirsch's. But also like um, – this ends with the school bus getting chased around and it's that's – I remember in the end of the Godzilla, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, it ended with Matthew Broderick in a taxi being chased by Godzilla. And I remember thinking at the time, God, that's such, that's such a weakness of imagination that like <laughs> something, a giant dinosaur that can shoot flames and lasers out of its mouth <laughs> has a taxi in its mouth, and that's the suspense. Like, oh no, are all the stars in that taxi? And it's like... Like something as boring as a taxi is what I'm looking at visually, and then in this, it's a school bus. It's like another yellow, slow-moving vehicle. Right, and the qu- and the queen movie. becomes a stormtrooper who just, right, right, you know, being chased by something too large to under- to look at. Well, how do you uh, feel, Kelly Wan, then about John Cusack in a limo driving through L.A. in 2012? <laughs> I remember liking apart. that part. I remember liking it. Oh god, I hated that so much. Because he's going fast, and the road itself is the enemy. So they're and I remember thinking that was the only part of the 2012 where it was sort of fun, even though it's stupid. But it's the same thing where the street's coming apart like a zipper. Right. Like in Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Emmerich is – that's the thing about – that's why his – one of many reasons why his action scenes suck, um, besides the characters sucking, is just he doesn't seem to know how things work or what things are made out of. So nothing <laughs> in our universe. Like buildings fall like they're made out of plastic. <laughs> and the white, when the White House explodes in the first Independence Day, it's just like wood. I don't know. It's, it's popsicle stick. Like, it's all popsicle yeah, stick. Everything all, it in his universe. Real at all. Yeah. It's hilarious. He doesn't know how things work. Yeah, so we should take him aside. Or, or, or yeah. what things are made of. I love <laughs> Right, it's like a three-year-old. Well, that's why I was thinking of that bit where the the giant ship grazes the moon, for instance. Like obvious, yeah. like I could see that being a cool concept, and who cares if it would ruin the tides in the earth, whatever. But right. I think you're right. It's like he doesn't seem to understand what the implications of that are. So right. he just does special effects of a giant disc 
bisecting a sphere. And, and the funny thing is, is if that would actually be a great idea. Yeah. Is like if it yeah, was yeah. if it actually was clipping the moon, and they they showed that like realistically, and it was like the biggest thing ever, and it did affect the tides. Like then he suddenly has like a really awesome disaster. And like, what does that so look stupid. like? What does that look like from the Earth? Like if it's right, like, right. Say, isn't that, like yeah. My God, what a cool concept. Play with it. Yeah, yeah it's something aliens, we haven't seen before. The aliens can just hang back for a little bit. They could just destroy the moon and just wait. Yeah. Right. For a couple of and minutes. Is, and then they right. have our, our, our molten core all to themselves, unmolested. Yeah. And we have people on a moon base that can be imperiled. And instead, he, like, the moon base is basically just another of the landmarks, even though we've never seen one in real life, so it getting destroyed. It's just another <laughs> facility. It looks like nothing. And oh, I hate like the, it. The Saturn, I hate it. the Saturn Defense Station. <laughs> Yeah, we've lost contact with Saturn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my God, that was another great line. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I expect from you guys. I want each of you to tell me one thing that you genuinely loved in this movie, even if you have to lie. I want you. I to don't have I, to lie. I have something I actually genuinely. Okay, I do too. Uh, Kelly, Juan, are you gonna have a hard time with this? Mm, I should go last. Okay. I'm just gonna go with any movie where it turns out that William Fickner becomes the president of the United States. I'm down with that. <laughs> Any movie where you swear in William Fickner to basically be in charge of this country, sweet. I just wanted to uh, see more of that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, thing is something. Is you this your favorite William Fickner performance? I like all of them. There's no such thing as a favorite William Fickner performance. Right. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, he's I think Drive Angry is the best William Fickner performance. Uh, there's so much great Fickner though, Dingus. I think you're short too. Yeah, that is there's great. a lot of great Fickner. He's in a. Uh, I think it's a. Is it Quentin Depew, the guy that did Rubber? He's in a really weird movie where he plays like an, an Indian guru. Um, I think it's a Quentin Depew movie. Uh, and his, his weird multi-level marketing scene with is it William shot Scott? William shot Scott. Sean, Sean Scott. Sean Scott. Pitt. It's like a goon, that kid. Scott Wolf. scene which telling me about this. Like it's called Go. or something. It's weird. Well, you no, know, the movie where he's he plays this creepy, like the kid thinks that he's trying to do some weird like swapping scene thing with his wife, and it turns out he's just doing multi-level marketing. Yeah, Scott, Go. Go, yeah. Like that's great. Oh. Fickner. Fickner and Armageddon. I mean, I think every, people – that's the – like Roland Emmerich, nobody really knows what the tone is. or Roland Emmerich isn't getting anybody on board. But one of the great things about Armageddon is everybody sort of knows what Michael Bay's trying to do. And even if you're not into it, the cast is on board and they're along for the ride. And William Fickner being the the asshole uh, shuttle pilot who redeems himself, like it's a great part. Um, or the mob, uh, the mob guy at the bank. Oh my God! Right with the grenade in his mouth, <laughs> yeah, dingus. Uh, yeah. So having a, a having a movie where the the words Will, President William Fickner apply. Thumbs up for me. Dingus, what's something you loved about right. I, I absolutely loved that was supposed to be a sweater. I, what, was oh, was that guy from the first – real quick, I have a couple <laughs> questions. Was that guy from the first movie? Were we supposed to know yeah. who he was and care about when he died? Um, yeah, because they're they're not just friends, Kelly. That's they're what call, I wondered. They're calling each other babe in that scene, and friends don't oh, necessarily say babe. You got fat, but you still look good. Okay. But Emmerich's dialogue's so dumb. I just That's what like Emmerich was trying to hide it or make it like a dog whistle thing. Like have them come, have them kiss each other or something. Even if it's on the ch- oh, I still that can't be true. I think Dingus is right, Kelly Wand. What? I mean, I really do think it's like toned down. And like I said, I think it's like a dog whistle thing that you could watch it in some state where it's illegal for gays to get married and not know any better. 
but really we know what's going on. I, well, think, I, I think that's why he walks in. His name is Dr. Isaacs. Uh, he was in the first movie. Um, was there this idea that they were lovers in the first movie? No, I don't think so. Um, Weird. Okay. And um, – and so when he when he comes into the yeah, room and he brings right. That, right. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What? You're totally you're 110 percent right. Because I know what you're going to say, Dingus. Kelly Wand, listen closely. All right. I don't know what if you think you, you know what I'm going to say, but he comes in the room, puts the orchid down, sits down, uh, and when um, when uh, Brett Spiner's whose whose who's character name I can never remember because it's so weird. Doctor Data. Uh, Doctor Data, um, who I accidentally called Doctor Beta uh, today when I was watching it. Um, snaps to life. He's like, where are my glasses? And Dr. Isaacs, or this guy goes, oh, they're right here. And he's been in a coma for what, 20 years? Or however many days yeah. this guy says he's been in a coma. Really, his glasses have been sitting there all this time and this random doctor can find them for him? Well, there's an absolute reason why he can find them for him, because he's his partner. He's been there for him every day. He keeps his glasses there every day. Um, and they call each other babe, and all these different things happen. But that last moment where he says, this was supposed to be a sweater, I think it's such, just a, such a lovely and, and emotionally honest moment. Um, and I just wish they would have kissed instead of just, like, yeah. pouting around. And that's exactly what I thought you were going to say, Dingus. Because I remember thinking, looking at that moment and thinking, well, that's kind of odd. Are we, am I supposed to think? And then I forgot because something blew up. But I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> the fact that he's, like – keeping flowers in his room like that he's keeping his room like dingus if you were in a coma for 20 years i'd visit you i'd hang out uh you know i might like read you a book or something i would not put flowers in your room because we're not lovers like that's just that's not something you just do for another dude uh not certainly a whole row of i mean there's a whole right. row of plants there yeah and like i might bring you one flower like lavender when they bloom and all yeah that. so clearly i think that's what's going on kelly kelly Wan, dingus is right so you you uh, you take back any doubt that you had about that, Kelly Wand, right now. Um, I just don't know. Wait, so Emmerich? Okay, never mind. Emmerich actually did um did the Stonewall movie, didn't he? What? I think oh he just god, did a Stonewall. Oh my god! I think you're movie. right. Oh my god! Because yeah, that that girl Joey King was in the Stonewall movie. The girl who's oh. the the teenager in the school bus was in Stonewall. What? Oh no. The girl, uh, her name's Joey King. I've seen her. The one in who was driving the station wagon who kept crying. Yeah, yeah. Because I've seen her since she's a little girl. It's one of those things where you watch someone growing up over the course of several movies, and she used to be a little tiny, cute monkey of a girl, and now she's become a young woman. But she was definitely in Stonewall, which I haven't seen. But it's like Boyhood, but it's different plots. <laughs> if Boyhood was different movies. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if if I told you that Chris Markinson said that. Um, uh, he thought the, you know, that Liam Hemsworth looked like a young Michael Dudikoff. What would that mean to you guys? <laughs> he was the American Ninja. But before that, well, he Tron. Tron one? I believe so. Yes. Dudikoff was. I think so. Uh, Michael Dudikoff. I, mean, I don't know if he's. Been, but I, don't... I don't know if he's the Tron, but he was in that. Of course, but he's yeah, not. He's the American. Tron is um is a uh, shoot monkey. What's the guy who's the Tron? Bruce? No, Ted Gummit. Well, we know Fox Lightner. Fox Lightner. Thank you, Kelly. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. anyway, Michael Budakoff was was the American Ninja, and Chris Markinson equates Liam Hemsworth with a young Michael Budakoff. Did Chris Markinson speak approvingly of this movie? Was he into it? No, he's like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> well, I mean, what? It's a sequel to a terrible movie. He's he's wondering why they forgot Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum, um, yeah. he can't believe that 
uh, Liam Hemsworth is the guy who's actually the lead in the movie, which I think we all agree on. Uh, he doesn't understand why Judd Hirsch is in the movie at all. Um, I'm not sure Judd Hirsch does either. I don't think so either. Um, and, uh, and of course he, he says the same thing that Kelly made a joke about, um, President Pullman being uh, the Randy Quaid of this movie. God, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. I did, I wrote that joke before the end where he actually does the Randy Quaid thing. And I was like, wait, really? So it's that? Roland Emmerich is ahead of me. I'm going to keep mispronouncing his name for fun. Though. So one of the things that Chris says that I think he kind of appreciates, and this is something that um, I, I saw the movie with uh, with Alexandra, who's a friend of all of ours, um, it, that it, it's something about the diversity of this movie that really works. Uh, but it's the, the prominence of the two <laughs> Chinese characters on the moon. Cause for Chris, he's like, he says, he says, I suspect 25 years ago, they would have been Japanese characters if they were going to have Asian. Oh my gosh. Characters. Wow. Good point. Yeah. And he says, it's very yeah. interesting how movies are slowly changing from all white affairs to be more inclusive, even if only for financial reasons rather than anything altruistic. In a stupid way though, too, cause they don't really do anything and the hero's still Liam Hemsworth. And so it's just like, they just get scenes where they get killed. Like the, the dad dies, and then the girl just falls for the for Hemsworth, doesn't she? Or one of them? Well, only only adults who don't matter and who they probably right. want to have to come back for the sequel die. Like we lost Celia Ward, Bill Pullman, uh, and uh, whoever the guy was who was Brent Spiner's lover. Uh, those are the only people Asian that died. General. Oh, Vivica Fox. No, we lose Vivica. Yeah, right. Vivica Fox. Fox. Yeah. Who's by the way, if Dwayne but, Johnson had been there, she would have been fine. Mm-hmm. We know right. how good he is at plucking people off of buildings with <laughs> exactly. with hovering vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. At finding them, I was thinking the same thing, Tom. Yeah. But Kelly, she she doesn't fall for somebody. She, they're they she's his fiance. Who, Vivica? No, the the girl no. he's talking about doesn't Asian fall girl? for somebody new. Make a memory. Yeah. 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 They, oh, they well, have established relationship. And they're I also for houses. That, it was so dope. Oh my god, that line. Where she's Kelly won't even mention it. Where she's like, I did look at houses, the one on Stonewall Street with the rock driveway, and when he says if it's still there, like she smiles like that's a joke, like that's this yeah. grim gallows humor. Yeah, and she she smiles like he he made a funny. Like, that was so yeah, weird. Yeah, it's also. still there. Good one. I love yeah. you. What's <laughs> so funny? What's weird for me is I totally heard that until Kelly Wan's opsis. I totally heard that as a market joke because <laughs> my girlfriend just bought a house. <laughs> And, and the market is so um, seller friendly here. So that, when I get an offer, to the offer might be yes. Yeah, someone yeah. else's offer might be to pick. That's up. exactly what I heard. <laughs> I know that's totally stupid, but what I heard when he said, "If it's still there," was somebody probably already bought it, honey. Too bad. Lex lives here. If, if you get approved for the loan, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I heard. And then when Kelly wanted me that joke, I was like, "Oh, he's talking about explosions." Well, I Too do, bad escrow got destroyed. Well, what Chris Markinson said though is a good point because there was a there was a moment where I was thinking, okay, this this might not be terrible. I'm on board with what's going on here. Where we it looked like it was going to be a movie about a motley crew in this space tug, where it was yeah. going to be uh, Liam Hemsworth, uh, the Asian chick, his comic sidekick, Jeff Goldblum, his romantic interest, Charlotte Gainsworth, Gainsbourg, uh, the the nebbish government guy, and the the badass African warlord. And I was like, oh, we're gonna have an ensemble movie about these survivors in a space tug, flying around dealing with the aliens. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, okay, cool, let's let's go with this. And it it didn't go anywhere. 
And that's independent. That's a good Independence Day concept because it's yeah. like a melting pot. Of, yeah, we're independent. Yeah. From everywhere. Well, all right. So, Kelly, we're going to need you to tell us something that you legitimately loved about Independence Day Resurgence. We've given you time. Surely you've come up with something. What did you do uh, love this movie? The knobs on the Asian girl. One, two, three. Not only you and me. Got 180 degrees. And Kelly Wand, you made me once again forget for us to do our overs and unders. Nice work, Kelly Wand. I hope you're happy. Thanks, Kelly. What? I was asked a question. I have to answer it honestly. <laughs> uh, I mentioned before my over was a Jurassic World, which I didn't care for, but better than this. And my under is a thing called a mockbuster, where this crappy studio called Asylum will release movies alongside big releases with rip-off names. Uh, there's a movie called Independence Day. Independent mm, being singular, possessive. Right, exactly. Uh, about like a woman president and uh, these aliens come to Earth and they're evil and they're going to take over but they're like, no, we're really not bad guys to, to prove it to you send us your uh, your disabled son and we'll heal him so <laughs> they're, they, they do that and the disabled son volunteers, I forget what happens to him, but anyway they turn out to be evil and this badass lady president uh, tries to fight them uh, and it's, it's awful it's terrible um so that's my that's my under is Independence Day. Dingus, your overs and unders for this are well, my under would be Skyline as uh, terrible alien uh, invasion movies with weird motivations and babies and whatnot. Um, my over, uh, I don't think I'm closely bracketing this because I quite like this movie, but it's not a good movie. But it's a not a good movie that understands that it's not a good movie and uh it's enjoyable to watch because it understands that and it and it also involves uh colonization of the moon and that is a movie called Iron Sky uh and I thoroughly oh, recommend the Nazi one? Yeah, the Nazis hiding on the moon movie. Um there's this weird Finnish English Australian conglomeration movie I think. And with the lady president. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, and so yeah. I definitely would recommend you watch Iron Sky instead of watching this movie. Kelly Wand, what are your overs and unders for uh, Independence Day Resurgence? <sighs> My under is uh, Battle L.A. <laughs> Sorry. It's morning in Germany. Uh, my over is District 9, because that's the best alien. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's morning in Germany. Is that a Reagan quote? Is it? He, he, he built the wall, right, with the speech? Mm-hmm. Yep, he said, let's yeah. put up that wall. Mr. Hitler, bring up this wall. And you're going to pay for it. Yeah, Reagan. All right, just... let's veer from politics and get into some Please. real awesome 3x3 three three topics. Uh, yeah. Kelly Wand, what is this week's topic that we're going to spend lots of time talking about, reading the listener submissions and all that stuff? got to be a ton of them. Yeah, what do you got for Because there's so many to choose from. It really is a wheel of decisions for you. Which one am I going to pick? The wheel of decisions for us, whether we're going to do it. Three best wheels of decisions... Now, was anything sure taken off the table, or did you elaborate at all? On no, that? I couldn't, because we may need them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. 
Well, I don't know what you're thinking of because I couldn't think of it. So I'm going first because I'm introducing next week's topic. So when you, uh, you steal mine, you're disqualified. I guarantee you I will not be stealing yours yeah. because all of mine are wheels that are on sentient objects and can therefore make decisions. Aww. Oh, I like this. Let's I, do this. Yeah, I have no idea what you're thinking of, Kelly Wand. Uh, so my number three pick uh, for wheels of decision is that goblin truck in maximum overdrive. The big old truck with the goblin face. Wait, what? It's like a goblin faceplate. Um, Stephen King directed a movie called Maximum Overdrive, which – is there actually a short story called Maximum Overdrive or is it based on the Mangler? It's called something else, I think. No, it's not based it's on the – Trucks. Thing. Trucks. Oh, oh no. Yeah, yeah. The, the, it's also in Night Shift, the same collection. And there's a separate sure. Mangler movie, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the Mangler. I love uh, that one. So Maximum Overdrive is terrible, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because I recently watched Cell – which is a zombie movie starring uh, John Cusack. That was all I knew going in. I'd heard about oh. it. It had a it had a, an internet release, uh, and I even marked on my calendar because I love zombie movies. When Cell would be out, uh, I watched it the day it was available, and I was dismayed as the credits were running that the that it was based on a story by Stephen King and that Stephen novel. King, well, that Stephen King also wrote the script. Oh, really? And it shows because man, the that movie sucked. The movie ending sucks, and I'm going to go ahead and ruin it. If you don't want Cell ruined – first of all, you should thank me if I ruin Cell for you so that you don't see it. Second of all, I, I don't know how you can ruin something this dopey, but does – so, Does he act in it? Uh, no, Stephen King does not appear in it, fortunately. He was probably he's good busy, at Night Rider. He's probably busy writing some horrible <laughs> other movie or book. Night Riders. Um, so at the end of this movie, uh, there's zombies, and they all have a hive mind. So they go to a radio tower, and they walk in a circle around it, and John Cusack drives an, an ice cream truck with a bomb in it to blow up in the middle of them. And there's something the about book. his dead daughter welcoming him to his afterlife or something like that. There you go. Wait, it's – Cell right there. That's Wait it. a minute. Yep. Go on, Kelly. One. Yes? Questions? What? That's yeah. the ending? Because, yeah. okay, in the book, yeah. the, it's his son – and oh, maybe then, it is his son. I could get the. I might have forgotten the. I got the gender, the gender wrong. wrong, right? But there's a thing where someone goes, "Hey, if you type in this code to the cell phone, it'll undo the the zombie thing or something." Oh and so he's gonna. He oh. does that, and then you don't know if it happens to the son or not. You don't know if the son's cured or not. No, and there's something about a code in the cell phone that's going to set the bomb off or something like that. Uh, I, really. Yeah, I think because it's – yeah, they, they put like a bomb in this ice cream truck, and he's going to blow up the – yeah, and he blows up all the zombies and supposedly kills them and I guess saves the world. There's a one halfway decent sequence, and this is hard to screw up anyway, where uh, John Cusack's in the airport and the zombie apocalypse starts happening, and people are freaking out in the airport. That scene isn't awful, but everything else after that is terrible. Oh, my God, and it also – I hate movies that do this. It has this in common with Ender's Game. I'm just now remembering this. It makes it completely wastes, and this girl is so good. It completely wastes Isabella Furman, who's the, the chick from Perfect. Oh, no. Why, Why do you can't keep somebody... doing that? I know, right? I'm so. Uh, I completely forgot about that because it just made me so angry. You know how she dies in that? She gets mm. hit in the head, and then, like, mm. she goes brain dead and just dies. Like, that's her death in the middle of Cell. Like, I'm thinking, okay, cool. She's going to be a zombie survivor alongside Samuel Jackson, John Cusack. At least I'll get to, like, see these actors. And nope. Somebody hits her in with a baseball bat, and she goes comatose and dies. And isn't she also in the Hunger Games movie? Yes, she's in the very first one. I don't know what became of she's in. It wasn't in Ender's Game also. Like they did nothing with her. Yeah, Ender's yeah. Hunger Game. I don't know why people don't. 
maybe those movies are just her, uh, like as she's dying in this movie you're talking about. Those are her imaginations. We should be so lucky. Although I don't know how they are. So at any rate, the goblin truck in Maximum Overdrive, my third favorite wheel of decision. What's the wheel? It has wheels on it. It's a truck. Oh, my God. What? You're pulled over. You're under arrest. <laughs> like Get in jail. You... That's not a wheel of decision. <laughs> What's the decision? Explain the decision part of it. I can't get into the thought process of a, of a sentient truck. Goblin on its front grill. Never do. You know what? I admit this topic's fucking stupid, but <laughs> right, Diggis, please, you did not transcend it. Please You're come join me in jail. Diggis. Diggis, give me your number three, and I hope you will join me in jail, because it's right. right here. Maximum overdrive. Well, Jesus not, Christ! Not just maximum overdrive, the goblin truck. Because there's plenty yeah, of I know. Choose. No, but that we didn't. What's this topic called? Wheels, wheels of decision. decision. Yep. The truck has Des- wheels on it, and it is sentient, and it can therefore make decisions. Dingus, you're my rock. <laughs> In a Dwayne Johnson way. But please, is all right. You guys live together. I can't. I can't. We haven't conspired, by the way. We have not conspired on this. This is. We both work on these independently. We don't help each other. There's nobody copying anybody's work. Um, I'm gonna pull you over and put you in jail. Fine. But I'll sit here. I'm I admit. In jail. I admit that the police department needs uh, uh some review itself too. You know who else sat in jail like me, Kelly Wand? Uh, Thoreau and Gandhi and Martin Luther Mallory. King. And Harriet Tubman, no, maybe not her. Uh, Rosa Parks. This is my civil disobedience. What do you think? Ted of that? Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah. you guys, you're Charles making it creepy. No, you, no, I retract what I said then. Jack Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> That's all in his history. Randy Quaid. Quaid. Yeah, Randy. <laughs> Paul Rubens. Um, Bob Denver. Frodo in the third movie, he gets, uh, he gets in, in jail. Whose turn is that? Wait, I think it's to come join me in jail. I'm hoping that he will. Right, here's a quote okay. from my Solidarity. Yeah. Uh, this was written long before we got here. This is from a movie called Meek's Cutoff. And so uh, minor about wheels that uh, happen in the movie that are either some sort of instrumental part of the person making a decision or me making a decision. So uh, this one, this particular, <laughs> this particular one makes cut off has uh, two parts to it. One is the sounds of the wagon wheels. The constant like creak, creak, creak sound all throughout makes cut off is one of the reasons I decided to put it on my top 10 list. Um, I thought that that sound choice was so grating and weird and utterly pervasive through the movie um, that it made me love the movie a little bit more. Uh, but then it's this also this moment where the wagon crashes and the wheels break um, and that forces the characters to have to make other decisions to get rid of things in their wagons, to unload the weight in the wagons, and also forces Michelle Williams to pull a gun on Meek. Uh, and so it's just my topic is more wheels that are part of a character making a decision because I have no other idea what the hell Kelly Wand was going with. This. No, that's it. Wait, so he's not going to jail? No. <sighs> Dingus understands what I was trying to do. <sighs> I don't so understand care. what you're trying to do. I'm just no. taking a shot in the dark. Whatever you just said is what I was <laughs> trying to do. <laughs> well, Kelly Wand, so we can get a little insight into the thought process here. What's your number three wheel of decision? 
All right, and my number three wheel of decision choice, the bronze, goes to a little film called Spot Spot Pilgrim versus the World. And there's a scene where Scott Pilgrim takes a Cloverfield Lane girl to the bar, and he's trying to think what to say to her. And in his mind, he spins a wheel, and then... Um, it's coming up between I got a pee and I think tell her she has nice hair or something. And then it, go, it ends on got a pee. And then he goes, uh, okay, I got a pee on her. And then everyone stares at him. How do you remember stuff. this stuff? Good wow, Lord. How in the world did you remember that? I don't know. Weed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my number three. My second favorite wheel of decision uh, Herbie Goes Bananas. <laughs> never, never actually seen it. Not even sure if it's one with Lindsay Lohan or one of the original ones. But speaking no. of, of Herbie, speaking of Volkswagen Bugs, I just watched a movie called Carnage Park because wow. it has in it an actress I really, really, really like who, like Isabella Furman, I think nobody's really making good use of this awesome woman. Uh, an actress named Ashley Bell is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carnage Park is from a horror director. It's his fourth movie, and you would think by now the guy would figure out what the hell he's doing, but he's, he hasn't. Carnage Park sucks so bad. It also stars a guy named Pat Healy. You guys know that? Yeah. Hey, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Kellyman, have you watched Cheap Thrills yet? Because it's, it's a movie for you. No, I don't see movies with plural titles. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Healy, he is so good in Cheap Thrills. Uh, and I, Cheap Thrills is arguably a horror movie, by the way. Uh, Pat Healy is also in Carnage Park. And the setup, and I'm going to ruin some of this for you guys because Carnage Park is so terrible. The the setup is no, – Wait, hold on. Is Ashley Bell the one in that exorcism movie? Yeah, yeah Last Exorcism Part 2. She's also in a – I saw her a long time ago in a, an apocalypse movie with a bunch of teeny boppers called The Day. And she's the only one in that who's not terrible. Uh, she's in some – Wretched, wretched CG heavy superhero movie called uh, like Lady Sparks and Lightning or some dumb thing like that, where she runs around in tights a lot and the script is just so bad. And okay, I know I know I've heard. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but yes. Yeah, so no, no Ashley Bell, I, I love her, and I'm waiting for her to get. So she's in this movie called Carnage Park, and it opens with. Basically, the scene from Reservoir Dogs, where a criminal is driving a car really fast to get away, and his cohort is bleeding to death in the back seat. And in this movie, Carnage Park, this fellow, so it's directed by a guy named Mickey Keating, who I think is a total dweeb because he has no idea what he's doing. He's terrible. He's just ripping off Reservoir Dog and Pulp Fiction. He's putting in like ironic period music in this movie, Carnage Park. And what's going to happen in Carnage Park is that these criminals – are going to drive off the road to get away from the cops, and they're going to drive onto the property of Pat Healy, who's a psycho Vietnam veteran, because this is a period piece, who snipes people for fun. He just like hunts people, and he's a murderer. Uh, and for whatever reason, he's been getting away. Actually, he's been getting away with it. Alan Ruck is in this as well, and Alan Ruck is so much fun to watch. Um, oh, wow. What a great name. Thank you yeah. for bringing him up. Well, he's – yeah, Cameron. Everybody like yeah. And I love seeing yeah. him turn up in like Speed. I forget what else, but he, he's in one of the Star Treks, I think. But whenever he's up, it shows up. I'm like, oh, look, Alan Ruck. I like that guy. Yeah. Uh, so he's wasted in this movie. Pat Healy plays this weird, freaky psycho, and in the two scenes, maybe three scenes he's in, he's really kind of weird to watch because he's this crazy psycho Vietnam veteran who's also just really merry and happy. 
But then halfway through the movie, when it comes time to, to hunt down Ashley Bell, the stupid director has him put on a gas mask, which never comes off for the rest of the movie. It's mm. like Pat Healy just completely disappears. They hire Pat Healy to play this wacky psycho, and then they have him in a gas mask. And it's not even a gas mask where you can see his eyes. Like You can't see anything. There's probably a stuntman in there. Pat Healy probably went home after two days of shooting, and they had somebody just wear this stupid gas mask. Um, but the reason that I'm connecting this to Herbie Goes Bananas, this is supposed to be a period piece. It's set in 1978. Mickey Keating – oh, and Ashley Bell. All he does with Ashley Bell, he hires this wonderful actress. She's super expressive. She's been kidnapped by these criminals. She's in the trunk of the car. When they release her, she ends up – you know, the criminals get killed, and she's running away from the psycho. The whole movie, he just hired her to be scared and to run away, and it's just so insultingly terrible that this wonderful actress is in this, and it's all he does with her. But it's a period piece, and here's how you know it's a period piece because it's just shot off in the hills somewhere, probably like over – it's just like Scrub Hills. It's probably like behind Pasadena or something somewhere they shot this. Uh, the way you know it's a period movie – is in one scene he managed to have two uh, VW bugs parked by the side of the road, and that's how you know uh, 1978. Hmm. So there you go, period movie. Nothing with the lingo, nothing really with how they dress or wear their hair. At one point, he's just got two VW bugs parked over there. So there you go. That's wait, but that's Herbie's it. a VW bug. Exactly. Which is what made so... me think of Herbie goes bananas and how that's a wheel of decision because Herbie is sentient. And he has wheels. Hmm. See what I've done? So you went with sentient vehicle. That's your three by three. Well, you could say that. But hmm. they're, they're wheels that can make decisions, really. So they're wheels of decision making. It's weird there's no other sentient vehicles uh, in movies except for cars. There's no, like, sentient plane. There's no sentient boat. I would say the, USS, outside of Pixar. I would say the USS Discovery is a sentient vehicle. Is that a movie? <laughs> Wow, really, Kelly Wan? Or did I just screw up and call it the wrong thing? I think the Orca is sentient. What's the ship in 2001? Is it not the Discovery? It, it, the ship's name is not Hal. But the ship, it's its brain chip, right? It's its engine. I don't even think it's USSS either. Oh. How many S's did I just say? I forget. Too many. What was the question? Um, a little close to an R. Well, I think you should stay in jail, but... I do like the idea of sentient vehicles, and Don't, I would like to see Herbie versus Christine or Herbie versus right, the car. Right. Uh, doesn't one of the Transformers turn into like a gun or a boombox, and they're still sentient when they turn into those things, right? Yeah. Wait, what's your point? There's things that are sentient that aren't vehicles. No, no, I'm saying well, – yeah, including us. Oh, uh, Ju- saying- I got one, Kelly Wand. I got one. Ready? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Julie Christie's house in Demon Seed. That's sentient. No, it has to be a vehicle. A I thought sentient you were saying, vehicle that's I, not a car and not a Pixar movie. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. It has to be a vehicle. It has to be a mode of transportation that can talk. Right. What I mean, if Julie... <laughs> <laughs> no, but sentient... Okay. But what if Herbie Julie... doesn't talk. Disregard that part. What if Julie Christie's house was lifted up and put on one of those wide load trailers mm-hmm. and driven along down the road? Then it would be a sentient vehicle that's not a car. Then that would be a wheel of decision or wheels of decision. Well, I think Dingus might have something to say about that was his his number two favorite wheel of decision in a movie. Dingus, what do you got for us? I give you five minutes when we get there. Anything happens in that five minutes and I'm gone. I can't guess because I'm in jail.
All right. So this is from the movie Drive, and this is the steering wheel of decision, um, where um, Driver puts his watch uh, on the steering wheel after telling the criminals, look, I don't have a gun. I'm not going to wait for you guys. You have five minutes. That's it. Go. Um, this is what this is what I'm doing for you. I'm driving, and so this is the wheel of decision, that steering wheel of decision. So uh, he can decide to stay there if they actually come out later, if they come out injured, or what they have to do when the cops actually get there during the heist. So um, uh, I just love that image of that watch put on the steering wheel and what he's doing during that whole five minutes. Five minutes is a long-ass time when you're waiting for something to happen. I mean, just when I'm waiting for, for toast to pop up. Good Lord. I mean, five minutes when you're waiting for somebody to come back out of the building uh, and deciding whether or not you're going to stay or go, if that five minutes ticks past five minutes to 503, 504, 505. Uh, I love the way that that movie plays out, especially in that first little bit. But just putting that thing on the steering wheel, because, you know, I did that once. Uh, I went to a, a wedding and I, w- I had to sit there and wait. And so just on the lark, because I, I, I love watches and I'm always wearing a watch. I put one on my steering wheel and took a picture of it and sent it to Tom. Um, because I love the way that that look, that he actually affixes his watch to the steering wheel. Of course, mine is not a Patek Philippe watch like uh, Ryan Gosling was wearing in that movie. Is he going to jail, uh, Kelly Wand, with that one, or no? Am I still uh, alone in jail? Well, you should be just because I know that'll annoy you more. But <laughs> um, I like watch parts, I just want to say. <laughs> You're not going to arrest Dingus for that one. He gets no, to, he gets he's to walk trying. Around. You're not trying. I am trying. I just Ascension I, vehicles. Okay, here's how I'm trying. Here's what I did. Dingus watched a good movie called Drive. I watched a crappy movie called Carnage Park. Which one of us tried harder? Which one of us had his work? Goes bananas. That's no. beside the point. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you said try harder, trying to incept him with wheels that might be rolling toward you. Uh, oh wait, that's a good one. Oh shoot! Let me change my number. Do I just go left a, or right? This is what he Diggs just threw down. He that's my just... number one. No, I know he's he's my number no, one. No, no, it's off the table because it's too good. <laughs> well, Kelly, Wan, what is your second favorite wheel of decision? Not off the table because it is your choice. What do you got? That's so good. That's so much better than anything I have. But I was just kidding because my number two <laughs> is a little film called. The lamest Mad Max movie. So, here's your quiz. You have to name <laughs> a thing mm-hmm. that's on. What's Tina Turner's name? Auntie something? Auntie May. Auntie May. You have to name a thing on Auntie May's spinner in Thunderdome. <laughs> I like that it's you believe awesome. me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, that. That is a good one, though, Dingus. I'm now remembering that there is like a spinner that. Uh, yeah, like absolutely. on the. It's either a, well Thunderdome isn't that one of the things on the spinner? No, because he's out of Thunderdome. Oh, uh, are cake and death things that are on the spinner? <laughs> I choose uh, death. I mean cake. Death's one. Oh, there. So I got it. On <sighs> accident. You said death and cake. I said death. Well, right. Those are separate. This is from a, a, an. Eddie those are two Hizzard. different wheels of decisions. Yeah, it's a two different. different decisions. Death and cake aren't the same. No, right. But there's an Eddie yeah. Izzard 
uh, I was just re- referencing a stand-up thing he does. So, so but death, I meant them as two separate things. Death. Or, uh, I don't. That's a good question though. Did you like find a freeze frame and look this up, or did you just know this? No, I just happen to know it the same way I know uh, my number one. Dingus, do you know that? Can you see the wheel that we're talking about? Do you know the movie well enough? Yeah, because I had to watch that damn thing for the. Uh, Fury Road podcast. <laughs> you didn't have to. Now that was your own. That was that's, un- that's, that's on you. Just own it. All right, I'm going to own my choice. I, I made my choice. So far, neither of you's gone in a direction that I really expected you would. And actually, this was a one. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> right, so, yeah. what else is on there? What other things could have happened to Max? Okay, this is what could have happened to him: Auntie's choice, acquittal, hard labor. Spin again. That's like four of them. A little laziness on Miller. <laughs> uh, life imprisonment, forfeit goods, uh, amputation, and gulag. I wonder if they actually just spun it and went, oh, this will be whatever happens next in the movie. So what's the difference between hard labor and gulag? Yeah. You don't have to work in a gulag. You gotta kind of do. I think that mm-hmm. is part of the implication of a gulag. Uh, Why don't they put wrong. a head on him? How is he supposed to work with the fucking stupid head on him? Oh, that's right. Gulag is the desert. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, and you, where they put that living with kids. Silly Fred. Babysitter. Silly Fred head on him and send him out. That that's that, that's their version of Gulag. Huh. Okay. So I kind of did like actually the reason it's my number two is I do sort of like the idea that there's spin again as an option, even though he could be there all day. Like theoretically, yeah. he, None of the things would ever fire off because theoretically he could always get that result. Like there's yeah. a, they should build in some kind of a time limit or something where that's, if you get enough spin-agains, it's for all intents and purposes the same as acquittal. If I was designing yeah. that wheel, that's how I would do it. I saw it as like – at first it was like, oh, M- Miller's lazy. But now I'm thinking it's just the laziness on the part of Auntie May. Because mm. like, Well, an imputation. What else we got? I don't know. Just spin-again. I would have put milking on there as like a, like a precursor for the, for the next movie. Like he has oh, to be milk. Weird. Even if you're a dude. Well, dudes too. That's my number two. Thank you. My favorite wheel of decision in a movie. Okay, if something is a pilot for a TV series that never gets picked up and therefore only exists as one instance, I would like to think of it as a movie because it's not a series. It's not a TV series. It is a one-off that is basically the same as a movie. So it's been unorthodox, but I'm going to allow it. Good, thank you. Wow, well, that happened fast. There's a movie Your called Honor. Heat Vision and Jack, where ah. Owen Wilson plays a talking motorcycle, uh, and Jack Black rides him around. And He's an astronaut. Jack Black's an astronaut. And oh. his brain... Go on, because I've never seen it. I don't. Go ahead. You haven't? Jack Black's an astronaut, and when the sun's out, his brain rises like yeast, and he becomes the smartest man alive. But then when it sets, he becomes stupid wait, again. Wait, Tom's wow. choosing a TV show? Yes, it's a, no, it's not pilot. a TV show, Dingus, because it never got picked up. So it's basically a movie now. No, no, no. You you can't pick another Owen Wilson movie where he plays a talking vehicle. Chitty chitty bang bang. Cars. Hello. Oh, that's mm. a cartoon, not a movie. It's a cartoon. Oh, good. Are you, <laughs> no, that's the table. Are you gonna let him get away with picking a pilot? He oh, already, I like yes. That. Yeah. He likes it because it this why is did, unbelievable. It's so this weird. Like I've in this town. Ron Silver's the villain. Yeah, I see bits and pieces of it, and you can watch it on YouTube, I think. But like, I the fact that, likes, that this went far enough to actually have a pilot shot, like it's just so random and weird. Well, it's a Ben Stiller. Uh, with him, uh, I think uh, Tom a pilot. Lucas. 
You're letting Tom pick a pilot? No, I'm in jail, Dingus. He's not letting me do anything. I'm doing this from jail, from a gulag already. He he just kept punishing me. And a silent film is like 50 minutes long. And if someone said, oh, I'll go with City Lights, I'd have to allow it because it's like one best picture or something. Charlie Chaplin movie. So pilot could win best picture. So... And plus, speaking of Jack Black riding a motorcycle that has Owen Wilson's voice, I don't know if you guys remember this. Dingus doesn't because he hasn't seen it. In the third Lord of the Rings Hobbit Battle of Five Armies movie, Dane Proudfoot arrives into the battle because he's a dwarf and he's little, riding a pig. How cute is that? First of all, Dane Proudfoot is not a dwarf. That's not a wheel. All right, I'm putting you in jail. Wait, no, no, but I'm just mentioning because Jack Black riding an Owen Wilson-sounding motorcycle. I was thinking of other cool things that people ride. What's this dumbass thing you're talking about? So Dane Proudfoot isn't the guy that uh, comes to rescue uh, Thorin in the, the Battle Proud, of the Armies? The Proudfoots are hobbits. What's Dane Proudfoot's last name, then? I have no idea. Cook? Maybe that one's Proudfeet. Mm. Proudfeet. Dane, well, his name is something like – I forget his last name, but at any rate, he's riding a pig. You're and right. it's awesome. The pig unfortunately dies, so it just shows that it's not uh, it's a serious uh, movie. Also, Lee Pace, who is a uh, what's Gilmore? No, what's his name? Shoot, don't tell me. Hold on, I Gilmore. can remember this. Gilmore girl is his name. No, oh, Gilmore is his daughter. Lee Pace is oh 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 like it's like an Indian name like Cree or Apache or Jesus geez. Christ. What is his name? Guardians, <laughs> guys, don't tell name. me. Ronan. Wait, Celeborn. Christ Ronan? Almighty. Is his name Celeborn? Is it Ronan? Oh, my God. The cat says his name is Ronan in Guardians Ronin. of the Galaxy. At any rate, Lee Yeah, it is Ronan. Oh, okay, Guardians good. of the Galaxy. That's, That's what you're talking about. Ronin, yeah. yeah. Lee Pace, who also shows up at the Battle of the Five Armies as an elf, he comes in riding a moose, a giant freaking moose. It is awesome. Gretchen Grassoff said that was a reindeer. So. Oh, maybe that's it. It's just something big with horns that I'm not used to seeing walking around. What's the um, name of the thing again, Tom? Uh, uh, Thunder, Light, and Proudfoot. What is it oh, called? Oh, uh, Heat, Vision, and Jack is the name of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's my number one pick. As Heat, Vision as... likes to watch Doctor Who. We he likes to watch it. Yeah. And then Ron Silver's chasing them. Wow. Oh, weird. A long drive and then a hotel stay. See, the roommates, mm-hmm. Astronaut, and the... Oh, what God. was Owen Wilson before he became the motorcycle? Just his roommate. Okay. Yeah. How did he become a motorcycle? Uh, there was an accident at NASA. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You got bit by a radioactive rocket. Mm. All right, Dingus, what is your favorite movie with a wheel – or your favorite wheel of decision from a movie? I'm so happy we're doing uh, Donald, don't think – don't trust God when it comes to concrete. So this is once again a uh, steering wheel of decision, and this is the very beginning of the movie Locke, uh, where he's at the intersection. Oh, concrete, yeah. Yeah, and he's deciding whether or not to go back home or whether to go to uh, the hospital. And he's sitting there at the intersection, and he's making a decision, and a steering wheel plays prominently in his decision. He's in a car. It's not just the wheels in the car. It's the steering wheel that helps him make the decision. And where, and also uh, puts the decision into motion that runs the rest of the movie. So uh, th- this movie has a huge, huge, huge resonance for me. I love this movie so much. I think it's one of Tom Hardy's greatest performances, which is saying a lot. Um, 
but yeah, I, I tried to do uh, wheels that either helped characters make decisions or helped me make a decision about the character uh, or about the movie. And this, again, this moment where he's sitting at that light and he's just making a decision. Am I going to go left or am I going to go right? Which way am I going to go? Um, and it's that wheel of decision where which way am I going to go? Which way am I going to turn the steering wheel? Uh, that makes a huge impact on me at that point in the movie. And pretty much at that point in the movie says to me, okay, I'm with you for the rest of the movie. They just take me wherever you're going to go. And then this movie ended up being on my list again. So that's the thing cool. is, name two other actors that we love, who we love in that movie. I have no idea, but I bet you know, Tom. Do you really not? No, I can't name them, no. Uh, his son is Tom Holland, who's our new Spider-Man. Hmm. Uh, doing the voice, and then uh, it's like a nurse. She's only, she's only in like one exchange, but she plays like a nurse. Uh, a woman named Alice Lowe, who is an English uh, comic from uh, uh, from Sightseers, from Sightseers, and uh, not Gareth Edwards, that Dark Place thing with Gareth. Shoot, Kelly Wan, what's his name? It is Dark Place. Garth Marenghi's Dark. Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, right? Alice Lowe is also from that, so. Uh, there are also voice actors in the lock. Um, all right, Kelly Wan, that leaves you to then give us the best wheel of decision of all time in a movie. What do you got? Can I guess that it's from a James Bond movie? Can I guess it's from a, an old Looney Tunes cartoon? Uh, you're both right, <laughs> ironically. I was just thinking um, that, that was when you even said it. I was like, well, is there a, did Kelly do this because there's a James Bond movie where the villain spins a wheel and what, this is going to happen in James Bond? I don't know. I just assumed it was something like that that you were thinking of. If uh, Goldfinger had spun the laser, then it would have been worse for James Bond. <laughs> it would have made a mess. Yeah, it would have been a terrible idea if you wanted to interrogate him. But if I could uh, get uh, serious for a moment, uh, Casablanca uh, stole Wait a the minute. scene. Oh, it stole the scene I'm talking about. Because there's a roulette wheel scene in Casablanca, but there's not really a lot of decision making involved. So I'm going to go back to the source, the original. Oh, roulette Zat. wheels! I should have thought ru- of roulette. Right, that's what I was going to say earlier. But like, there's no decision making with roulette. Oh, actually, you do have yeah, to decide is. what numbers you're picking, right? Yeah, which always seems to be random. Like it's like, yeah, well, uh, just I'll decide. Well, that's the thing. That's yeah, the thing. They're right. random. Yeah. Wheels are right. random. I sure would have thought of that. That's a good idea. Anyway, go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. Okay, so in Casablanca, there's a roulette wheel scene. I don't even remember what fucking happens. But in Zapped, um, there's a scene where Scott Baio and Willie Ames go to a casino, and um, they're gambling, and then like the preppy bad character, I think Todd's his name or something, or Chet, Chiff. Chiff. Chiff? He's there. Yeah, and I think Nobody has ever named Chiff in any movie ever. <laughs> so Chiff... Is also like uh, he's sort of like Bogart in that the roulette wheel's uh, rigged, just like Humphrey Bogart. It's because he cheats, like what Humphrey Bogart oh, does. Yeah, yeah. Casablanca. Yeah. Oh right, I'm shocked, shocked that there's gambling going on in here. Of course, right. I'm now remembering that. Very good. Yeah. So then, um, in Zapped, uh, Chiff nods meaningfully to the roulette croupier because then it <laughs> keeps going into like wheel or like number. What's the wheel slots called? Slots. Goes into slot number six, but Barney Scott Baio's character has like five thousand dollars on uh, double zero, so so he keeps using his. Oh no, I'm sorry, Willie Ames does, and so then Scott Baio's telekinesis keeps bumping the ball back to double zero, but then the cheating roulette guy keeps putting it back to number six, like six double zero, six double zero. 
Oh, yeah, and Barney's been saying that he doesn't want to do it anymore. So he has to decide whether he wants to keep doing it because Williams is like, come on, one more and we gotta hit, we're going to hit the big time. We're going to hit Vegas. But Scott Bale is tired of using his powers for exploitation. So instead, he uses telekinesis to make the wheel like float around the room and then like destroys the casino. <laughs> and then Willie Ames goes, oh, it's because the wheel's rigged. And then everyone beats up the preppy guy and then they leave. But they are don't you, really take the money. Are you going to throw yourself in jail for that one? Why? I don't know. Because I'm lonely. Oh, uh, yes, then. <laughs> okay, thanks. Wow. Uh, while we're in jail, can we talk about the fact that there is a Pamela Sue Anderson Casablanca called Barbed Wire? Yeah. Have you that's seen not, That's not how you pronounce that, Tom. Well, that's different. So Bob Wire is what you put to keep criminals from like climbing over a fence. Barbed Wait, Wire. Bob uh, Wire. Bob Wire. Yeah. It's like when you put like – so cows don't walk out of the field. You put barbed wire around a fence or something. But barbed wire, because her name is Barb, presumably short for Barbara, um, barbed wire is a Casablanca remake. And I didn't realize this. I watched this about a month or so ago. Do you guys know who plays the Claude Rains character? So obviously Pamela Sue Anderson is the um, the, uh, Humphrey Bogart. Do you it's guys Pamela know? Lee Anderson. Who's Pamela Sue Anderson? You're thinking of Pamela Sue Martin. Who oh my God, Pamela I am. You're right. Dynasty, and she was Nancy Drew. Oh wait, no. Who was on Mork and Mindy? Pamela Anderson Williams. Lee. Isn't Pam it? Dauber. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Dingus is right. I was or just Pamela Sue. I was testing <laughs> to see if Dingus knew uh, her full name. Okay, Barbed Wire is a Casablanca remake. You're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, one no. for one. Yeah, she's so straight who, up the Humphrey Bogart character. I have no idea who plays Claude Rains in that. Like I, Claude... I don't even know what what time period we're talking about. Oh, it's a, it's this weird like alternate history future. No, no I mean what time this movie would have come out to be able to even ascertain what actor would have been up for oh, that. Oh, Barbed Wire. It's got to be in the. It might be an eighties, nineties movie. It's ninety six, I think. That makes sense. Oh, ninety six when Independence Day came out. Mm-hmm. Right, there you go, Dingus. Yeah. <laughs> that, was the, that was the watershed movie that, that we remember that year for. Uh, her Claude Rains, and they're supposed to have, like, everybody knows that she's hot, and uh, but this is a guy who's supposed to, like, have a sort of a friendly rapport with her. Her Claude Rains is Xander Berkeley, which oh, is wow. so weird to see. <laughs> like wow. Because no one else is famous. Like, uh, Tiny, uh, with Tim Lister, what's his name? Tiny Lister. Uh who wasn't he the the bad guy in Dark Knight, like one of the prisoners in Dark Knight who ends up throwing the trigger out the window? Isn't that Tiny Lister? That was a big black dude. Wasn't yeah, yeah, it? that's what I'm saying. Isn't that guy's name Tiny Lister? Oh, really? At any rate, I think he's also in Barbed Wire. Um, but yeah, nobody famous is in it, but for whatever reason, they got Xander Berkeley to be the Claude Rains. So. Who's the Bergman? Is that before uh, or after? So the, the twist is, of course, that the resistance leader uh, has to be someone that, she, that uh, she is in love with. So the resistance leader is a woman. It, well, there's a weird – it's no one of note. But there's like a, they're like a mixed couple, and they're trying to get through, and they need these eye – instead of papers, they need these fake contact lenses to trick the like Nazis' retinal scanners. Um, oh, minority report. That kind of thing, yeah. But nobody famous is the uh, the uh, is the couple that uh, is trying to get through Casablanca. The Cameron Crowe movie. <laughs> uh, Kelly, what what wheels of decision did the listeners come up with? I can't wait to hear uh, this. It's going to probably take us a while, so go ahead and get started on those. They seemed very uninterested, <laughs> which was actually the why I did it. So they. 
Paul Weimer writes, okay, this one was tough, but I'll give it a spin. <laughs> In the goofy movie UHF. Ah, uh, yeah, remember? Weird Al movie? Don't I've say that for you. I do not see Weird Al movies, I'm afraid. It's mostly lame, but there's a funny part where a kid spits in his face. <laughs> I, I watch VHF. I won't watch UHF. Uh, UHF had Little Rascals on it and Three Stooges and Speed Racer. It was Channel 56. Does that help? In the Goofy movie UHF, there's a Wheel of Fish segment where you spin the wheel to win a fish. Different spots on the huge <laughs> wheel had different kinds of fish. Wow, wow. Paul Weimer. Wheel Man, of fish. you're much better than I am. I tried, I racked my brain this week thinking, do I just do game show movies? I don't know what the hell to do with this. It's so too good. Good for you, huh? Paul. Good for you. Number two, an Interstate 60. What? I don't know what that is. I don't either. Do Unless it's that, is that that thing that Bob Gale did before he did like a Back to the Future with Robert Zemeckis? That's used cars. No. No, there's some oh. weird. Well, go ahead. What does he say about it? It might be the one. I'm Neil uses a computerized wheel of decision to decide what to wear for a dreaded birthday lunch with his father and family. Hmm. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. I'm sorry, Paul. I know it's dumb and we don't know the movie that the listener's talking about. Isn't that kind of embarrassing? No, no, it's actually great. I mean, I love that when they introduce us to things that we don't. I know, know. but then there's just people on the internet listening to us go, "Oh, I haven't seen that movie." I don't know. Good, then they'll look it up. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Number one in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Anti has a wheel to decide the fate of prisoners. You can lose a limb or wind up working in the methane refinery, or worse. Best regards, Paul Weimer. Arthur Jovanangeli writes, "I'm not entirely sure if I did this right." That means it's working. I hope he joins me in jail. Go on. Number one, Persona 3, the movie. Number three. What? One, Persona 3, the movie. Number three, Falling Down. Sorry if I'm mangling this. Three, number three, Falling Down. At the beginning of his adaptation, the specialized extracurricular execution squad, also known as C's, is in the midst of a battle with a very powerful shadow. This shadow is one of the 13 that were released during an incident at Tatsumi Port Island and is tied to the Wheel of Fortune Arcana. Kelly Wan, I think you're reading an anime synopsis, just for the record. <laughs> just, I think that's what's happening here, and, it's, and I'm loving it. Go on. <sighs> He's trolling me. True to its arcana, this shadow uses a spinning decision wheel to determine what attacks to use against the members of Seas, a battle tactic that was taken directly from the JRPG on which this four-part movie series is based. Is this your idea fun? While in-game, this mechanic can lead to a very easy boss fight. Fortune's not on the side of the movie's heroes, and the wheel of decision constantly spins against them, and they barely make it out alive. Still, it is neat that they drew directly from the game and still managed to make a decent anime battle sequence. <sighs> the Persona 3 movies are nowhere near as good as the masterful game on which they are based, but they are good in their own right and far better than almost all other video game adaptations. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? I am sickened. <laughs> 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 what Chris Webb wrote a thing I don't know if I can read all of it it's too much I'm reading his choices 
Sorry, Chris Webb. It's too long. I'm too dumb. <laughs> wow, you're editing Chris Webb. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I'm sure glad the 3x3 three three cops are taking the night off for this topic because it was a doozy. Here's three guesses as to what Mr. Wan was thinking. Number three, the wheels turning in the stormtrooper's head after Obi-Wan non-fake physical gestured him. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just want to go to jail, don't you? <laughs> Tom needs some company with his pilot research number two the small wheel that Harvey Dent flips when he needs to make a decision that's a coin wheel alright that's not a wheel You could if you stuck an axle through it it would be a wheel Um, (laughs) number one the chamber of the gun and the deer hunter I've never actually (laughs) seen this movie but this is my number one pick Chris Webb hasn't seen deer hunter and Michael Cimino just oh wait yeah, yeah, he did. Just You're died. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hesitated because I can't. I keep forgetting that Michael Cimino did Deer Hunter. Like I just associated yeah. him with all of his missteps afterwards. Right. Um, no way. Uh, actually, the the first thing I came up with was this weird movie I saw at Sundance called Thirteen Samedi. Ah, very good. Yeah, Dingus. Yeah. That was the, the same thing. I was thinking of the Wheel of the Chamber of Yeah. With an American remake that people can see if they don't want to read subtitles that has Jason Statham in it. It's oh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Let's watch Heaven's Gate. I kind of want to now. I mean, so Chris Webb, really, Deer Hunter is an amazing piece of work that holds up. I mean, it's just vintage 70s cinema, like like the best of the 70s. It, it holds up if you want to see movie making the way that nobody does movies anymore. Uh, it's just so brilliant. I Does, does uh, Days of Heaven, is it? I've actually never seen it. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Days of Heaven? Uh, Heaven's Gate, I mean. Oops, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Terrence Malick. Apologies. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've actually never seen it. There's Christofferson's in it. Wait, so, so Chris is, is, is Chris in trouble for picking the, the cylinders of the pistol in uh, in? He's Gear in trouble Hunter? for all of them equally. <laughs> it's just every – I'm not even hearing his case. I'm just putting him right into jail <laughs> while he's talking to me. Wow. You're one of those judges. Mm, I'm a hanging judge. Rude. Chris Markardson writes, Hey guys, to say that my picks are subpar would be an understatement. Oh, so Canadian. I tried to stay away from roulette wheels since I'm assuming the break the spirit of the topic, but in the end I wound picking one. I wound picking one for my number three. You wound up picking one. You wound up picking one. He's just up. Yeah. Come on, Kelly Wine. Everybody makes typos from time to time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's true. That's a good point. Number three, in The Gambler, the Marky Mark version, the lead character is deeply in debt and puts all of his money on one spin of the roulette wheel. Uh, do you guys know about this movie called Mississippi Grind with Ben Mendelsohn and Ryan Reynolds? No. I so am, I so hate that stupid movie. Mississippi Grind? Yeah, it's from a it's actually might be it's from last year. It's fairly recent. And you would think Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn, I mean it's a great cast, but man, is it terrible. And it just pisses me off. It, it's one of those things, too, where the character's just like, oh, screw it. I'm going to put everything on this one number on the roulette wheel. And spoiler, but it's like, hey, it hits. And he's magically redeemed from all the bad decisions he's made during the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's what happens. That's it's so it's, stupid. That it's the only me. cinematic thing you can do with a roulette wheel is like, they win. Oh, God, so annoying. Which... I so think, I, at any rate, I cut out, I ruined I, yeah, Chris Markson. propaganda because they never do that 
Uh, I'm going to say the roulette wheel is making a decision. If it decides black, he wins and is in a <laughs> fuck you position. If it decides red, well, he's going to be in a very unfortunate position. Oh, so he does the whole 50-50 because in Mississippi Grind, no, he like picks a number, I think. It's like that remote a chance. Uh, and it actually hits that one number. I mean, you find his character has a, just, has a history of just making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and he's such a sad sack. And finally, he gets up a little bit, and he once again is going to make another bad decision by all putting it on one number. And that's like what a one in how many numbers are on a roulette wheel? Uh, twenty six, just like the alphabet. Is that true? Okay, a one in twenty six chance, and it hits. And it's just the least interesting fate you can have the character come to is after all these bad decisions hey luck redeems him so stupid wait that's not redemption well it is in the fact that it it basically says that uh he's not going to be held like the movie doesn't hold him accountable to his bad decisions it it redeems him from the the consequences of making bad decisions it rests i don't redemption i think the idea is it's resurgence it's not redemption It's a resurgence wheel. Number two, <laughs> Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I'm sure this has already been done, chosen probably a few times by now. It's weird that Gulag means exile. Number one, UHF. One of the game shows on Channel 62 is called Wheel of Fish, with the wheel being used to decide which fish the guests can win. And the scene the wheel is spun and Phyllis Weaver gets a chance at winning a red snapper. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Chris. That's all the listeners had. All right. Uh... I, I actually do not know the answer to this. I had to look this up. Uh, what percentage of people in the United States would you guys guess own guns? I, I really had no idea. Like, what would you guess? Uh, 60. Dingus, would you have a guess? Would you even begin to, like... 23. Ah, so so oddly enough, it's it's like 30%. Like, 30% of the... And really? that's, that's households that own a gun, uh, where where... There's one or more guns in the house. As for you know, there are multiple people that live there, but 30% of households. And the amazing thing is, in 1970, like in the mid 70s, it was 50%. So mm-hmm. it's been steadily declining. But what's weird is the number of guns that those households own is increasing enough that more guns are being sold. It's a really weird uh, convergence of data points. Um, and I just find it odd because guns are so foreign to my own day-to-day experience. I don't own a gun. I would never own one. I have no desire to own one. Um, and I was thinking in movies, when a character punches another character, stabs another character, or when violence is committed with some common everyday weapon, that's fine. Everybody can see that and can understand, oh, of course he has a knife. But a lot of times in a movie, you have a scene where a character needs to get a gun. And because the majority of Americans, and, and this even fewer people around the world don't own a gun and wouldn't begin to know where to get a gun. The movie has a scene about someone acquiring a gun, acquiring a firearm. You know, how does this person get a firearm? Mm. Uh, there are serious scenes. There are action movie scenes. There are all kinds of different scenes where a movie wants to show you, hey, here's how this character is acquiring this firearm. I want you guys to give me three of your favorite examples of those. Hmm. So uh, I don't think there are any questions. I mean, there's again, there are all kinds of tones that these scenes take. Uh, there are variations in different genres. So do with it as you will. But I'm looking for basically, you know, gun getting scenes, scenes of firearm um, acquisition, that sort of thing. I know there's um, a scene where they do a background check on Herbie. <laughs> <laughs> Cars are not allowed to own guns, Kelly Wand. Uh, why? They can't use them. It'd be the safest place. <laughs> 
Put it in the glove compartment. There's a reason do? in the Mad Max movies that their cars don't have guns mounted on them, and that is because cars are prohibited from gun ownership. Oh. Yeah. See, otherwise they'd be driving around cars with like machine guns mounted on the hood and stuff like that. And the Mad Max movies would be a lot shorter because you would just shoot the car you're chasing and it would be over. So, hmm. so if you have some ideas about these, uh, I, we'll just call them gun-getting scenes, uh, send in your picks to 3x3 at quarter to 3com We would love to read them on the air when we talk about this next week. Uh, next week, we had several different options for what we could see. And by several different options, I mean none that were really good or that we're enthusiastic about. Um, do I, re- I don't want to pick this randomly, right? Because we could end up being screwed. Why not? We could end up having to see the legend no, of Tarzan. No, yeah, it's perfect. Tom does not, decisions. Want to see, does not want to see Tarzan. <sighs> All right. Here we go. I'm going to go to the random number generator. Here are the five movies. Now You See Me 2, Finding Dory, Conjuring 2, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, and Legend of Tarzan. I am now opening uh, the random number generator that I use when I uh, stream on YouTube to give away things. Picking one number between one and five. I think we should have to see Herbie Goes Banana. Here we go. Should I put that on the list? I will do it. Like you wouldn't All believe. Right. No, I'm not putting that on the list. I don't even know if that's available. Is that the one with Lindsay Lohan? No. Or the one, one Paul chose, Interstate 60 or whatever the Buddy hell. Hackett. Oh, my God. You know, if, Paul's thinking, if it's a movie I'm thinking of that Bob Gale did, I think it was before the Back to the Future movies with Robert Zemeckis. Before you used cars? It's terrible. Yeah, it's like something where like like Gary Oldman plays a leprechaun who sends James <laughs> Marsden on a – you guys are laughing, but Gary Oldman really is something weird. And he, and he sends James Marsden on a cross-country, like, candied-style, picaresque voyage. What year is this? I don't know. The 80s? Marsden? Yeah, it's awful. But Used Cars was 80. Or Jimmy Carter's in Used Cars. Uh, I just remember it feeling more like a 90s movie. He, he doesn't mean James like, Marsden. I think he means James Brolin. Uh, no, I mean James Marsden. I'm oh. sorry. Maybe. He would I mean, get those mixed up? up. Don't make me look this up. I'm pretty sure it's James Marsden. Um, so, yeah, Dingus is right. Then it's probably not 80s because James Marsden would have been 12. Um, hmm. I think that was me. So maybe it's – then it must be <laughs> after the Back to the Future movies. God, uh, I don't know. But at any rate, we do not want to ever have to see Interstate 60. Trust me. On that, I'm right, put it in. You guys, you guys can both thank me for that. Put right. it in one out of six. No, we see it. really? Yeah. Uh, no. Interstate sixty. No, we have to do. Thing is, it's, to like be a a it's like there are six uh, chambers in a pistol. Yeah, you know, is I right. Not all pistols. Some we, pistols that that is true. Oh God, what did I just watch? Oh, in the liability with Tim Roth and uh, Jack O'Connell, there's an amazing scene at the end where Jack O'Connell has a gun and he's just been firing it wide, wildly, and Tim Roth is like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, you know, you've got one bullet left." And Jack O'Connell's like, "No, there's two. That was four shots. I counted." And Tim Roth very patiently says, "That gun only holds five rounds." Right. Oh, oh, green room also, Dingus. I just thought of that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, any, spoiler. No, we're not going to put like old movies on here. We'll save those for like listener raffles and stuff. And seriously, mm-hmm. Interstate 60 is so freaking painful. Um, all right. So one, Now You See Me, two, Finding Dory, three, Conjuring 2, four, Whiskey Tango, Foxtrot, five, Legend of Tarzan. Random numbers up between one and five. Draw now. One. I'm scared. Got a one, which is what did I say first? Now You See Me, two. 
Oh. And I'll take a screenshot, too, of this random number thing. Now you... Are you sure that's what you said was number one? Uh, the listeners can roll back the tape, but looking at the list that I read down, because I wrote it that I read it along. I wrote it right. I didn't see the first one. How is the two spelled? Ah, I see. Right, right. No, it's a number. It's a numeral, I believe. All right. So we are going to see Now You See Me 2. We're going to talk about that on next week's podcast. What a Uh, nightmare. We'll see if Jesse Eisenberg is as good as he was in Batman v Superman. It's Mm. a minor Eisenberg. Oh, Eisenberg. (laughs) We have an Eisenberg. Oh, good. That's right. we got some Eisenberg coming up. Uh, And we'll also talk about (laughs) – if you have not heard the Batman v Superman synopsis, Kelly Wan's Eisenberg is second only to his Foster, his Costner, and his Goldblum. I would oh, well, I, you know, that's what you, what we should do. <laughs> uh, so we might be hearing some Eisenberg in next week's synopsis. So uh, see, now you see me too. If you have anything you'd like to share that you feel about it or any questions you have or points in the movie you'd like us to discuss, send those also to 3x3 at quarter to 3.com. Make sure your subject header is different from any 3x3 picks. Let us know if you have any cool gun getting firearm acquisition, whatever you want to call them, scenes from movies. Tell us about those, and we'll talk about all of that next week. I am Tom Chick. I have been here with Dingus Malarkey. Oh, sorry. I said your name wrong. Christian Malarkey. <laughs> it's Dingus Moroski. And we also had uh, Kelly Wand. La! <laughs> really sing back then. You know what I mean? On behalf of the planet Earth, happy 4th of July. No. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, You'd lose your immortality, or die. That wasn't your choice to make! Hmm. I'm looking forward to those sequel in 20 years. Back on the bus, kids. You know, the short bus. Ooh. Ah, too soon, sorry. We don't say that anymore. We don't say short bus. <laughs>